Arch Madness. It begins here. It's the 2022 State Farm NBC Men's Basketball Tournament, March 3rd to March 6th, presented by Bally Sports Midwest. Visit archmadness.com for ticket information. Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 31 of the March to Arch podcast in this 2021-2022 Missouri Valley Conference season. The bracket is set. The week is here. Arch Madness 2022 is upon us, and we are ready to go and break things down in this preview episode. So we hope you all are driving down, flying down, going through security at the airport, ready to converge on St. Louis to cheer on your respective Missouri Valley Conference team in their venture for a NCAA bid on Sunday. But before we get into that, Baker, how are we doing? I mean, it's the best time. Um, I can't wait till you guys hear this interview we do with Harry where Vansel, he'll uh, belt out a few uh, few bars for us. Um, little singing you do. Uh, great. little tease for that interview down the line, but um, super excited. Obviously, um, Arch Madness is here. The the This is the best conference tournament in the world. We love it. We talk about it. It's, it's our podcast. Um, it is a little bittersweet for me uh, as I will not be able to be in attendance this year in St. Louis. Um, one of a very, very small select few people are getting married the same weekend as Arch Madness. One of my friends, Zach, uh, is getting married to... Uh, uh, to Julie and uh, good friends of ours. So uh, I'm in the wedding. I'm going to Mexico for that. So I will be in Mexico during Arch Madness. So I won't be able to watch very much except for, uh, sounds like Wi-Fi is good. So I'm going to probably try to catch the Redbird game, but a uh, little bittersweet for me. But um, I mean, end of the day, uh, it's one year and I'm excited for my friend Zach getting married. So um, that is most important for me uh, this next weekend. But um I am still here, and we are going to preview this thing uh, fully through. But Vance, two follow-up you... items. Hold on, two vo- two follow-ups. Sure, go um, ahead. One, um, I don't understand time zone geography. What time zone are you in, or do you know Eastern time zone? I've already looked it up. East. Okay. All right. Um, um, there is a. There's actually a. So I did look this up. There is a like a happy hour type thing, like a rehearsal dinner type uh, um, thing prior to the day before the wedding on Thursday, because the wedding's on Friday. Um, and it is not during the ISU game. Um, it's like two hours before the ISU game. So depending on where we are, what we're doing, um, I will try to find a way to get catch some of the ISU game, uh, Indiana State, Illinois State, on uh, Thursday night. And the other thing I have heard, like the Wi-Fi is really good around the pool and stuff. So um, as I've kind of looked into the resort itself. So um, I hope I can catch some of the basketball, but um, – I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to be in Mexico hanging out on the beach. So I'm obviously not going to be too dialed in either. So um, it, it's disappointing to not be there, but I'm I'm not uh, like it. I'm going to be in Mexico, watch my friend get married. So it's, it could be a lot worse, right? I like to think, you know, as a groomsman, like you've got the games like taped on the guy <laughs> in front of you, like on his back while you're watching. You know, there's all those memes out there of guys like watching, you know, uh, ceremonies, watching games. I like to think that you're just like standing up with a, 
with a phone on it on a guy's back um, in front of you. That would <laughs> no, be nice. I, I can assure you, I will not be doing that. But um, because I do not want to upset anybody, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, wife and I, uh, we have obviously two young kids, so we're excited to um, nice little getaway, go to Mexico, hang out, um, hang out with some really good friends, and uh, see my buddy Zach get married, which I'm super proud of him and excited for his wedding. So um, it's it's not all bad. I know there's going to be a lot of Valley fans disappointed to hear that I'm not going to be there, but um, you know, it's a it's a one year one year layoff for me. There you go. Um, and then the second thing I had was it reminds me, and I've told the story multiple times, but um, still one of my all time favorite moments between me and my dad. Uh, whenever I was getting married uh, four years ago, um, I said, "Hey, we picked a date. Um, we're we're gonna go with uh, I, um, March. I'm making this date up. March second, um, first weekend of March, uh, and that's what you know me and my wife picked. And my dad just like looked at me." And he said, if you're dumb enough to pick that weekend, I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously playing a joke on my dad of uh, sure. what, what our wedding date was going to be. But uh, that's one of my all-time favorite uh, jokes I, I, I put on my dad. And I wouldn't expect anything less from him as a response to that one. Uh, but yeah, that's so awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Obviously, the week is upon us. Um, I kind of have two things that come to mind Um one uh, funny and then one kind of annoyance that always comes up sure. um, this week. Uh, the first one is the fun one is I actually started thinking through my outfits for Arch Madness, which <laughs> um, sounds ridiculous, but it's a it's a struggle. Um, no, know- hold on. Before you go, you're you have picked some quite awesome things to wear at Arch Madness. Oh, I know. So, um, for those of you who have meet up met up with Vance over the years, uh, obviously not disappointed. But go ahead. Sorry. No, over the years, I've acquired some very fun old school Missouri Valley Conference items that I usually bring out. So it's hard for me because you have to balance the how many games is your team going to play in? Like how much Southern stuff do I need to bring versus MVC things? Or do I just bring like a bunch of suitcases? But I'm going to take it a level further. And I think this is absolutely insane. And I know it, but I do it in my head consciously. Um, and I know there's at least one other listener that does it uh, because me and him have talked about it. Shout out Wes. Um, I think about the, uh, when it comes to my team, so Saluki outfits, I have a vague understanding of the win loss record for certain shirts, sweaters, hoodies that I own of Southern Illinois. And I have one outfit that is two and O this year. And so I got to wear it on Friday, right? Yeah. Don't want to waste it. Yeah, it was, it's a new long sleeve um, that I bought this year, and it's 2-0 and when I've gone to SIU games, so like in-person games. Like, I got to go with it. Yes. I mean, but you can't like, waste it. I, I have one sweater that is like 0-6, and, and, and I don't think it's even going to like make the trip to St. Louis. Um, I only wear that like when I'm you know, yeah. going for runs or whatever, but um, I just think it's something subconscious, or not even subconsciously, consciously I do. I don't know if there's other fans out here that do this, but um, like I said, I know of at least one, but yeah, tweet me if you do this uh, because it's real and I'm a little superstitious when it comes to Arch Madness. I, I love that you know that. Um, you and I are completely different when it comes to what we wear to the game. I am more of a, like, I, I mean, I've got ISU shirts and stuff. I'm, I'll normally throw on an ISU hat when I go to the game, but that's it. Like, I, I don't have a lot of, um, a lot of different different strategy with that but i love the idea that you have one to, one picked out that you're you're very successful and you know what's interesting it kind of liken it to you know in baseball when you're in like a five game series in the playoffs 
ace and you can either throw mm-hmm. him in game four or game five, but you're down in the series. But you think, oh, you know, I'll save him for game five. You know, you're, I like where your strategy is at. Like, we're going to throw our ace out there on Friday oh, yeah. night because we might not see game two there. So let's, Correct. let's make sure that we get to game two and then worry about it then. So yep. um, I love the strategy around that. But I, what I was going to say was, obviously, you have a great southern gear, but um, you also have some awesome valley gear. So definitely do. be on the lookout if you um, can come across Vance to maybe see some cool valley gear that he has, some very cool retro gear. I have a shirt that is screen print from, I don't know the year, but let's just say the teams are Tulsa, West Texas. Um, I mean, that's how far back we went that are on it. And it's, uh, I assume it's, it's from like an, not an Arch Madness because it didn't exist, but from just a conference promo. And then I think I have like a 1989 MVC tournament uh, t-shirt. So it'd be like the second year in existence, I think. I love it. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. But I have, yeah. I actually have one for you, by the way, that I still have not yet to give you. It's from like 07, 08, somewhere in there. Oh, nice. So I've been holding, I've been, I just haven't seen you in a while. So, um, you'll have another one to add to the list, but that's, uh, no, those are some cool, cool shirts. Cause you had one. I remember the one, the, I want to say it was black mm-hmm. the yes. shirt that you wore. I yep. think you wore it on Friday last year. It was awesome. So. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe just shout out if you're an NBC collector of uh, memorabilia and you've thrown it on eBay in the past, uh, just reach out to me because it's more than likely than not me who's bidding on it. If we can cut <laughs> out some of the transaction fees um, on go. that one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But hey, you're going down to St. Louis. You're going to obviously get down there uh, Thursday afternoon uh, prior to the Illinois State Indiana State game, right? Is that your kind of your game plan? Absolutely. Uh, the plan is now a couple things up in the air. Um, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that we're building a house, so I need to take care of a couple house things Thursday morning slash afternoon, but that should not put a damper on getting there for that uh, first 8-9 game on Thursday. And then I'll be there throughout the weekend. So uh, looking forward to that. I've got uh, my wife's going down. I've got a really good friend from college going down. And then my normal, um, using air quotes here, um, Arch Madness group, family, friends, best friends. We're all converging on St. Louis and we can't wait. Yeah, no, it should be a good time. Uh, hope you all enjoy it and, um, definitely reach out to Vance. If you guys are down there, um, as always, uh, we've in the past tried to try to meet up with as many as you as we can. So, um, definitely be on the lookout for Vance down St. Louis. All right, Valley fans, let's get into the bracket. We're just going to work our way down here, Baker, and we're going to talk a little bit about each game uh, that we know of the teams that are playing in it. We'll make some picks, and we'll go from there. We, we ready to jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, starting off Thursday, March the 3rd, um, the – Battle for the ISUs at the eight seed. We have Illinois State Redbirds playing the Indiana State Sycamores in the eight nine matchup. As we will find out um, or have found out with Harry, he is calling this game. So we're excited for him on KTRS, the big 550. Um, so during the season, uh, th- these two teams split, uh, both team holding their home courts. Uh, Indiana State won 60 to 57 over the Redbirds. And most recently, um, the Redbirds beat up on the Sycamores 86 to 66. Baker, any thoughts on this Thursday night game? Um, we should mention that Illinois State will continue to be without their head coach, Dan Muller, and uh, Keith Jones will be um, 
Brian Jones. Uh, coaching, sorry, Brian Jones, not Keith Jones. Brian Jones will be coaching for the Illinois State Redbirds. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a homer pick, but I don't really care. I have some something in my mind. I, I can justify it. Uh, I'm picking Illinois State to win this game. Um, I think that if you look up and down the roster, I think Indiana State's slightly deeper. Um, but I think that Illinois State has a lot of top-end talent, especially with Antonio Reeves. Uh, I think they find a way to uh, get it done. In the two matchups that they had earlier in the season, um, Illinois State should have went 2-0. They should not have lost the game. Um, that was that weird game. I don't know if you remember, Vance, when um, Dan Muller didn't foul. Mm-hmm. And we we came back on and had to talk about that. But um, I think Illinois State finds a way to get through Thursday night. I think it's going to be an incredibly close game. Um, it'll be the battle between Nice and uh, Reeves, and I think Reeves will get him uh, just slightly. Close game, but give me the Redbirds. I am also going to take the Redbirds, but for a different reason. Um, I don't want to create controversy here, but just something doesn't sit right with me uh, with what's going down with Indiana State right now, and it has nothing to do with the players that are actually playing. Um, but I, I'm just going with a – I've got a feel here. Um, just recently this week, uh, Coach Schertz um, and Tyreek Key uh, made some comments about their futures. Uh, Tyreek Key said he would not uh, be playing with the Indiana State Sycamores. Or I'm sorry, it's not that he will not be playing for the Sycamores. He's, he intends to transfer and enter the portal. Um, Coach Schertz had some comments to make. Uh, go check out uh, Todd Golden's article on that where essentially uh, – Sure, it's a, um, attributed it to uh, people in Tyreek's ear. Um, so there's just it, it feels like there's some animosity within the team. And I know that Tyreek he like has not played. He hasn't played a, a minute this uh, this year. Um, he's not, you know, I mean, he's probably traveling with the team, but it's just a very odd timing for this to happen. And then you throw that into a 20 point blowout by Illinois State that just happened. Um, what is that going to be? five days before um, the game. I just think there might be more to something going on with Indiana state. And I don't mean it like in a negative way, but it's just like taking away from the game. And I think Illinois state wins, um, wins this game. Yep. We're on the same page. Let's uh, move on to the next one. All right. Uh, We've got Valparaiso at the seven seed um, playing Evansville purple aces, who is the 10 seed. This will be their third game against each other in the last four five games so uh, a team that has played has seen each other uh, pretty much um valpo is 2-0 against evansville uh, winning 72 to 56 uh at home and then 74 to 69 at valparaiso um they are limping in um kithier is going to be a question mark uh, in this game uh, so injury bug is plaguing valparaiso but i don't think that is enough for them to not get the win versus evansville yeah, um, I really want to pick Evansville. Um, this is a hard one. Um, give me Valpo. I think Cricky finds a way to get it done. Um, Cricky and Edwards, I think, will just be a little too much. But um, I guess let me pose it to you this way. Would you be shocked in the slightest if Evansville wins this game? Not at all. Okay. That's kind of – it feels like – Evansville's been going to Arch Man, is having these kind of, you know, Thursday and exit, Thursday and exit, Thursday and exit. One of these years they're going to win because they've had some competitive game. I think it was even two years ago when they played Valparaiso in the Thursday game. Um, and that was the year Valparaiso made it to Sunday. They almost lost in the in the play-in game against Evansville. Yes. I mean, this it feels like, you know, they have a guy in 
Shamar Givens, who could just light it up anytime. I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Evansville won, uh, but I feel like I've said that the last, I don't know, th- like three seasons we've done this podcast that I've picked them and it hasn't come to fruition. So, yeah, you know what? That, that means it probably will. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I Give me, give me Valpo. Um, I think it's going to be a, another competitive game. I, before we close the door on Thursday, I think these two Thursday night games are going to be just incredibly competitive games and must watch for me. Yep, I agree. I don't think there's going to be a blowout by any means. Uh, both teams will bring it. I mean, you got Reeves for ISU who can put up points. You got Nees who can put up points. Yep. Um, Givens is going to, probably going to be the player of the game for uh, Evansville. Uh, but Valparaiso, it's like who's healthy? Kobe Keen can go off. We've seen that happen uh, this past Saturday. Um, so too many yeah, weapons. I'm, too many weapons on that team. I agree. So, yeah, that, those are the Thursday night, uh, March 3rd games at 6 o'clock and 8.30. Uh, both Baker and I are both taking Illinois State and Valparaiso to win those opening night games. Let's move on to Friday. So, at noon, the number one seed, Northern Iowa Panthers, will take on the winner of Illinois State and Indiana State. Um, for these games, um, for Northern Iowa versus Illinois State, uh, they are two and zero on um, yep. for Indiana State and two and zero for Illinois State. Correct? Um, yeah. But for the Illinois State games, uh, or sorry, for the Indiana State games, uh, one game went to overtime, so a close game here. Uh, not a, not a terrible matchup. For- and that was the game that only I think they only had seven guys. Yep. And then for Illinois State, uh, UNI has a 15-point win uh, versus Illinois State and a two-point win. Uh, so we got some close games here. Don't sleep on this game. Um, I truly think if if one of the top if, – if a playing team is going to win a game, I think it's this one. You know, in the history of Arch Madness, and I don't have it in front of me, and this is – I wish I did, but um, the 1-8 the matchup, it seems like – maybe every other year is really competitive at least deep into the second half. Um, usually the one seed obviously always pulls away. Uh, you know, I think it's only happened once that the one seed's gone down, but um, a lot of these games have been way more competitive. And um, to me, if it's Indiana state, I think Indiana state, they showed it in the last game last week when they played at home against them um, that they can definitely be competitive. If they're shooting the ball really well and they have that kind of up-tempo offense. They can hang with them. Um, I think, I still think Northern Iowa would would have a little too much for uh, Indiana State in that way. And with Illinois State, similar story. Um, they're downhill team. When Illinois State is going downhill, um, they can score with any team in the Valley. And I I know that people are going to be like, no, they, they're not a good team. But, I mean, Vance, you've seen it. When mm-hmm. when Reeves and, and Josiah Strong, and they got it going, um, they can score with anyone in the Valley. So, um, if you're Northern Iowa, don't sleep on the team you're playing. I think that they're going to beat either team. Um, and it's going to be, I think, depend, regardless of who they play, it's going to be one of those Friday noon games where um, the eight seed is within a point or two up until about the eight, nine minute, eight, nine minutes left in the second half. And then the one seed Northern Iowa will pull away from either one. That's kind of how I see it going. I think Northern Iowa finds a way to beat the Redbirds is who, how I have it. I agree. Uh, I think it's going to say the same thing. I would have said the 10 minute mark in the second half, Northern Iowa pulls away and they win by, you know, 15 to 20. You know, it, it, you remember it was two years ago when they were the one seed and lost to Drake. We were sitting, I remember you and I sitting together during that game and we were both wondering like, 
during that game, we were like, okay, when's Northern Iowa going to turn it on? When's Northern Iowa going to turn it on? And Roman Penn just wasn't, wasn't getting beat that day. And mm-hmm. um, to me, that's why I think, you know, as, as close as the games were with Indiana State, I think for a, either of these teams to beat it, Northern Iowa, I think it's going to be like a Reeves 35-point game. And it's going to be one of those he's just not missing. Yep. Um, I think that that's the only thing. If I'm if I'm worried about anything, if I'm a Northern Iowa fan, I'm worried about like a Reeves going off and um, keeping his team afloat. And you know, if you don't shoot the ball well, uh, a player like that can beat you on any given night. So, um, but yeah, I I think we're both on the same page. Northern Iowa will move on to Saturday. I know we like to get a little bit of fan experience um, in this podcast as well. This is one of my favorite ones because I come to this game usually a little bit late. And it's after I have had some rooster breakfast, which is my favorite breakfast spot in uh, St. Louis. So very good. Very uh, depending good. on the rooster, there's a, there's multiple in St. Louis, but oh, St. Louis Slinger, that is my favorite Friday morning go-to. Um, and I can't wait to just stroll into Enterprise Center after uh, consuming one of those. But anyway, let's move on to the, the I would say the game that everyone's looking forward to on Friday. It will be at 2.30 p.m. This is game four and the four five seed. The four-seeded Loyola Ramblers versus the Bradley Braves. Um, it's just crazy to think that Loyola had a chance to win the regular season and be the number one seed. But with a loss, they fell to the four seed. And I get how tiebreakers work, but it's just, it's just crazy to think. Um, in the regular season, both teams split. Uh, Loyola, in their win, they won 78-71 to in overtime. And then Bradley won at home um, at the Peoria Civic Center and beat Loyola 68 to 61. Um, easily the game you circle on the bracket right now, Baker. We talked about it a week ago. I think I don't remember what listener, and I apologize for not knowing your name, but uh, uh, I had a question. What is the game that we most want to see? And uh, we, we penciled in two, and this was one of them. Um, the Loyola and Bradley matchup. Uh, this is going to be just so, so awesome. I can only like, let's, let's kind of unpack this for a second, Vance. I, as great as the atmosphere was in Cedar Falls and that crowd was amazing Saturday. And I didn't mention it on the last podcast, but that crowd was amazing on Saturday for that game and very into it. As good as that crowd was, Loyola has not faced a tougher environment than they will at 2.30 in St. Louis. <laughs> like, that is going to be as hostile as an environment as they're going to face all year, in my opinion, um, because you have nine-on-one. And um, just to think about that, because um, some of the more outspoken and, you know, obviously I'm not a Bradley fan as an Illinois State guy, but, like, their fans are passionate, and they, they are going to be there in waves, and they're going to be ready because, I mean, Bradley's a, a St. Louis team. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting matchup. Um, this is a really hard one to pick, Vance. This is the hardest opening round game. I I think this is one of the hardest opening round games I've ever had to pick. Um, I'm picking Bradley to win this game. It's all gonna come down to Rink Mast in the game in Peoria that they won by seven. Rink only had seven points. Um. But I mean that in a good way. You got to win with Rink Mass having six points. So I mean, if they can get him going and they can get some contributors, I really like Bradley too. Um, I, I'm with you. I it's I'm struggling to pick this game because it's what do I want to happen? And and I and I've been trying to be middle of the road. 
but I'm kind of. I don't with think you. we have to. I don't think we have to anymore. Man. <laughs> Do we? Okay. Is this it? I think we can cut that off. Like. So I guess listen, we don't. I, I here's the thing. I'll say. I'll say it for you. <laughs> I think you and I, uh, Vance, have been very good about being very unbiased toward Loyola ever since they announced they were leaving for the Atlantic Ten. Um, at this point, we don't have to be anymore. Their at-large bid chances are gone. They have to win Arch Madness. Um, so no, I, I don't care anymore. Um, I want, this is the one time that I will ever say, I want Bradley to win a game. I, mean, I, appreciate, I appreciate you taking one for the podcast. Um, <laughs> you can stay, you can stay Switzerland if you want. That's fine. Will, I, will, will it warm my heart if I hear an MVC chant going around the enterprise center at about four thirty five o'clock? on friday march 4th it will warm my soul you, not just you know, my heart so and it's interesting you've heard you've heard that um drew valentine has has had some things to say about some of the fans that you know in some of the hostile environments bradley was one of them um he had some not as kind things to say about their fans and um it's not going to be fun for his team going into this game the one thing i'll say um loyal has been there before this is a team that has very tested players on it. Lucas Williamson is no joke. These guys will be ready to play. Um, there may be a little bit of an added uh, momentum and a hop in their step just because of losing that championship mm-hmm. game in Cedar Falls. So they may be coming out as a razor-focused team. But I feel like the worst possible team that they could have seen in the first round is Bradley because Bradley mm-hmm. is not going to be afraid. Whatsoever. Like Bradley might be the one team – that goes into this thinking to themselves, oh, we want Loyola. Like we yeah. want to play Loyola right away. Yeah. And that's the that's the scary part for if you're Loyola. Um, I think this game is a coin flip. No, don't get me wrong. I'm picking Bradley. You're picking Bradley, but like I'm not going to be shocked either way. These no. are two teams that can definitely cut down the nets on Sunday. And here's what we say: there are a lot of Loyola fans I've met that I have enjoyed every conversation with. Absolutely. There are some that I haven't spoken to, but I've seen antics that I did not enjoy my experience. It has nothing to do with anyone individually. It's just, it's time to divest. And Arch Man, this is where it will rear its head. One, my last thing here, Baker, and then I'll let you close out this game, is one thing that could impact the environment, that it won't be as tough of an environment as you kind of alluded to, is it's the second game of the first session. I would say the two most passionate fan bases that haven't played yet um, are Drake and SIU. So you might not have any Southern fans or Drake fans jumping on the Bradley bandwagon. If they have a lead um, that there just might not be as many people there that people might just not make it to that session. So the unfortunate part is it's, it's not ideal for a bandwagon fan to get involved. That's true. That's but at least it's the second game of two, mm-hmm. because I think that that's if it was the noon game, I wouldn't I wouldn't be as as big on this. But um, as the second game, a lot of people will show up. You know, midway through that first game, um, you know, just to check it out. I, I will say, just for what it's worth, there have been some awesome Loyola fans that I've interacted with since we started doing this podcast, and you know who you are because I've interacted mm-hmm. with you. Um, I will not miss at all some of the Loyola fans that every and I mentioned in the last podcast the ones that every time they're losing or things are going wrong it's official bashing session and I won't miss that about Loyola 
But mm-hmm. um, end of the day, we're Valley homers, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. Right. Um, and they're leaving. And so, you know, anyone who's going to get upset with us, I don't know why you would. If you've listened to us this long, we've been completely fair to loyal all year. Um, but we're Valley homers first and foremost. And at this point, with an at-large pretty much being out of the picture for this team, um, because I know that Lenardi had them kind of within the last couple teams. But, I mean, as soon as they lose another game, they're going to drop right out of that, and it's going to be gone. So um, if there was an at-large bid, I might be feeling different. But at this point, it's just kind of like, no, you're leaving. I hope you don't win. Yep. But on that side, if they if they win three games in St. Louis and they represent the Valley and it's nobody tournament, I will be rooting for them. hundred percent. Absolutely. As, as will I. And, and, you know, and, and to the point, if they do go win three games in three days at, with the draw that they have right now, um, what a way to go out. If you're a Loyola fan, like you yep. couldn't script it better if you're a Loyola fan. So um, those of you out there who are listening, we do appreciate you. Um, and it's all with love. So we'll move uh, on so- to the next game though. Yep. And we'll start with just Missouri State, the two seed at the top of the, the bottom part of the bracket. And it's important to note Missouri State is 2-0 and versus every opponent in their side of the bracket. Uh, something that we mentioned in our conversation with Harry. Uh, so if I'm keeping tabs right, uh, the our podcast thinks that Missouri State will be taking on the Valparaiso Beacons. Yeah. So um, just to kind of cover both teams, um, I have I don't think – Evansville's actually played Missouri State really tough. So if they do play them again, I think it will go very similar to the first two games where Missouri State, they'll hang around for a while, but Missouri State will find a way in the end to take care of business. Um, but Valpo's a different story. This is not a team that – this is not like a, a walkthrough team in the Arch Madness tournament. If they're healthy when they get down to St. Louis, uh, they're not going to be an easy game. You have a post and Cricky who can – absolutely make things hard for for prim um you know if a missouri state team runs into foul trouble they're going to struggle uh that being said um i don't foresee missouri state having trouble winning this game at the end of the day um it'll probably be similar to like we talked about with the eight the one versus eight matchup um the seven or the 10 will give them a great game, you know, through the first half, a little bit in the second half. Um, but guys like Mosley, guys like Prim, they're going to be, they're just going to be too much for either of those two teams. Yeah. I just think with uh, Valparaiso uh, in their injury bug, I just don't think it's, um, uh, it's in the cards for them. Uh, one thing that we didn't know for the Thursday night game, which I, I apologize for not, uh, mentioning is they did lose um, their backup point guard uh, Darius Diavero uh, for the rest of the season, so yes. he will not play for Valparaiso in the and Thursday night game, and that's tough. Just as we're, they're already um, somewhat limping into St. Louis, and um, they got back Rudinger, but um, they lost their their backup point guard. So um, tough one for them, but yeah, it's just not enough uh, for Valparaiso to to upset the two seed, which I think everyone is saying. Um, has somewhat of the easiest route to Sunday. But uh, anything else before we move on to the the Drake SIU game? No, nope. I think it's. Uh, I think we kind of said it all. I think if uh, I, I, I put it this way, one. I guess I'll throw one thing at you. Um, if Valparaiso, would you be shocked if Valparaiso did win this game? Yes. Okay. I see. I guess I wouldn't be super shocked because I could because they. I think they have enough weapons that they can um, kind of pull off some of the magic they had a couple of years ago. Uh, when they beat Loyal in that first round matchup. So 
Um, Valpo fans, I don't, I wouldn't have lose all hope, but I do think injuries and depth is going to be a really big factor for y'all. But yes, we're both in agreement. Missouri State moves on. Storyline aside, if you set the NBC or the Bradley Loyola, let's just call it bad blood. It's I don't even know if it's just the vocal minority on Twitter that's the bad blood, but <laughs> take that out of the picture. Is the Drake SIU game a like could be a better game than Loyola Bradley game? No. There's no way. The Bradley Loyola games, there's there's no way it's not good. Okay. That's right. I, I, I just but, asked but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Drake Southern Illinois game is going to be incredibly close. Yep. I just and I here, guess let me, let me I, I'm only I guess I'm only there, thinking it because me... the because of the atmosphere of the first one. So I know that you were what you were going for there. I didn't want to give it to you because the atmosphere is gonna be that good, but um this game's gonna be an awesome game. Stats in here. So Drake, the number three seeded Drake Bulldogs will be taking on the six seeded Southern Illinois Salukis. Drake is two and zero against the Salukis with a combined margin of victory over both of those games of three points. Um, it's, <laughs> uh, they won on the road at Southern Illinois, sixty to fifty nine, and most recently this past Saturday, um, sixty two to sixty, they beat the Salukis. So once again, two games, uh, three point differential uh, between the two. I think DJ Wilkins uh, being injured is the biggest thing that I have with Drake going into Arch Madness. He says he's claiming he's going to play from what I understand. Um, but I know that we're, it's going to be touch and go until we get to St. Louis. Um, but I know he's hoping to get, go play this weekend. So assuming he does play um, really close game, I think it's going to be a battle of um, can Drake get to, 65 points i think that's where this game will be played um kind of in the 50s and 60s and i think 65 is the magic number for me um southern illinois southern illinois is gonna there i think success is gonna be whether they can score the basketball or not and you and you've seen it for for this entire season i know that um when you guys score the ball you're incredibly hard to beat Yep. I mean, this past Saturday we played Drake. We spotted them 17 points. We were down 17 in the first half. and Cannot do that uh, in St. Louis. Can't do it in St. Louis. We talk about it with Harry. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing here is Southern hasn't proved they beat they can beat a top four team. They haven't done it yet this year. No. So, I mean, th- is the first one going to come in St. Louis? I would say a lot of people say no. Um, but I'm with you. If they can string together 40 minutes, if they can hit the three ball, the three ball is going to be really important for Southern and containing Tucker DeVries, um, which is what they did relatively well in the second half um, in the, in uh, at the Nap Center. So I can talk myself into a Southern win. Um, Baker, I'm going to throw a take out here that <laughs> I vetted with a fellow Drake fan, um, Nick. Um, I have I went on a run this morning, um, and I've now talked myself into that the winner of the 3-6 team will play on Sunday, or this 3-6 game will play on Sunday. I've talked myself into this take. Well, that's, that is one take. Um, <laughs> uh, when we get into the next round of picks, you'll know how I feel about that. Um, but that's an interesting take. I think this is going to be a tough matchup. Um, both things, teams are going to have to string together 40 minutes. Um, I, I don't want to I, – I guess I'll go first because this is your team, and I'll let you kind of close things out. Um, to me, I think the difference is going to be Tucker DeVries. Um, he's been playing really well. And if DJ Wilkins also is healthy, 
I think they find a way to get it done. This is Tucker's first uh, run at Arch Madness. I think they find a way to win this game. Uh, it'll be going down to the last couple minutes of the game for sure. Um, Brian Mullins is going to have a really good game plan, obviously, as he always does. They're going. You're, I don't think that this is going to be a blowout in either way. I would not be shocked if either team won this game, but um, give me Drake in a really close matchup. I'm definitely taking the Salukis on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be the latest. I knew game you were going to do that. I, I, I just can't, I can't not. And half the people just turned it off right there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? I mean, no, that's on. fine. Why do you Why do you think you're going to win? I think we put 40 minutes together. Okay. What's What's that look like though? So here, if we get down 10 at any point in the game, in the first half, we're done. Yeah. It just can't happen. I think it's just the way – I mean, they've won four out of five, and I know their loss is to Drake. Um, I, I I just got this feeling, Baker. I, okay. I can't – I've got a gut feeling. So I, 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 like where, I like where Damask and um, Jones are at. Uh, D'Amico um, – he might be an X factor in this one. He's getting some good minutes. Uh, I I like it. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, listen, here's the thing. I'm going to, to me, the different, I think for Southern Illinois to win this game, uh, Damask and Jones are definitely going to have to play really well. And they're going to have to be obviously in double figures. Um, but somebody else is going to have to have a big game. And whether it's Ben Coupet. I think um, it's Ben Coupet. I think I, you I, nailed it. He's, I think, he's trending I think, upward. He's yep. shooting the three ball well. Um, yeah, I like you it. have to have three guys in double figures and three guys who are really scoring the basketball. I don't think two men can win this game. I'm I, that's that's for me the and it's been the Achilles heel for Southern Illinois. All year. Yep. Um, you really need balanced scoring. And you talked about on our last show the other day um, with the uh, three point percentage. Um, you guys take good threes and and you don't shoot as many as a lot of teams, but you take good ones. And um, I think you're gonna need to shoot the three ball very well because Drake's one of those teams that. Um, they can they can make that distance between the score pretty quick on you, um, and they've got some really good veteran players. I mean, uh, Roman Penn, Garrett Sturts these these are guys who have been there before. They're gamers. So, um, but I, I like I said, I don't think it. I I think you can go either way on this game. I personally have Drake winning it. You obviously like your team, so um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, last thing I'll mention is it was interesting this past Saturday. Both teams went small. Um, Mula and uh, Brody did not uh, get the start. Both teams starting kind of that five five guard set. Um, it, it was it was interesting. We'll see if we'll see more of that. Uh, you know, forward. And, you know, one thing I want to mention um, to me, the one other thing that I, if you're Southern Illinois, you absolutely need to avoid is Jones or Domas getting in foul trouble because that has that has been the Achilles for so many teams in St. Louis over the years where they get a guy with two fouls early in the first half. And, Southern, and for I mean, you guys, they need to be on the floor. Yes. And I my thing is, if it's a t- if they call the game tight, it's it's not trending in the right way. For You're, in trouble. On that one. You're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. All right, let's move yeah. on to semifinal Saturday when the lights go off and the starting lineups start. Best feeling in college sports in my mind um, at Arch Madness. And in the first semifinal, we have um, in our picks – Northern Iowa playing Bradley. Yeah, this is going to be an awesome game if this is where it goes. Um, either way, like 
I think it's probably a pretty foregone conclusion. Northern Iowa's winning, and they're probably going to play either Loyola or Bradley. That first semifinal in St. Louis this year is just going to be so good. And it's, I think it's almost also guaranteed to be, to be good. Um, we're either going to get a matchup, I think, of that championship game just the other day or, uh, you know, Bradley team who plays against Northern Iowa. Um, I've been going back and forth on this one. Uh, I do not think Bradley matches up great with Northern Iowa. And I really, really, I've, I've been so torn on this one, Vance. Um, I th- I'm picking Bradley with the knowledge that I know they don't match up great with Northern Iowa, but I just, I don't know if it's a gut feeling or not. Um, I just have a feeling that Bradley is going to have, they're going to be on a different level when they get to St. Louis. I'm going a different route. I'm going to go to Northern Iowa, but I do have a follow-up for you. Sure. If Northern Iowa plays Loyola, does your answer change? I think the four or five winners going to Sunday. Okay. Gotcha. I think Northern I, Iowa loses to either team. Because I was going to say, if so I picked Bradley to win the open the four or five game. Yep. I will pick Northern Iowa to win against Bradley. But if Northern Iowa was playing Loyola and I was wrong, I would pick Loyola to make it to the championship. Yeah, I agree. I think I, and you know what? And I love that you brought that up because I do also think Loyola, um, if going to win the second game. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm with you too. I'm going to take Bradley. I just think that midway through the season, that just, it felt like a different team. And, you know, there's a few, few hiccups here and there, but um, if any coach in the recent memory has been able to get their team ready to play when they get down to St. Louis, it's Brian Wardle. He knows how to win three games in three days. He knows how to come out of the four or five space to win an Arch Madness. Um, it's going to be a really tough one. Um, Northern Iowa, I know we're going – and we're going against Ben – I'm going against Ben Jacobson, which stinks because – and Northern Iowa has just been so good. But I don't know. Maybe it's because they ha- the it was so emotional, that game in overtime that they won, um, that kind of they peaked there um, against Loyola on this past Saturday. Um, I don't know what it is, but I just have a gut feeling that Bradley finds their way to Sunday. All right. I've, I've got AJ green and Ben Jacobson as my uh, rationale for (laughs) Northern Iowa. Um, Noah Carter, obviously coming on strong. Um, I like what he could potentially bring um, to this game, but I'm going Northern Iowa. So in the second semifinal, uh, You'll have Missouri State versus Drake, and I have Missouri State versus Southern Illinois. Um, I'll go first. Missouri State wins. Yeah, this is a really hard one for me. Um, I guess quickly, if it's Missouri State versus Southern Illinois, I think I think Missouri State's too much for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and and we saw it in the in the past couple of games that they played. I know the first one was a little more competitive than the second one, but. Um, I think Missouri State is is a different level than Southern is right now. Yeah, and, let me add on to that real quick. Um, sure. Yeah, so uh, I'm with you in the first game. Uh, it was a five-point game uh, at Missouri State, but um, Missouri State pretty much had their way with Southern most rec- in their most recent matchup, uh, losing by 15. Yep. Uh, for me, it's just like we don't have an answer for Gage Graham. We just nope. don't. And that's the matchup that I, I kind of go with here. Yep, I agree. Um, I think uh... – I think so. This brings me to my next piece. Um, before I tell you my pick, um, if it is Drake and Missouri State, who are you picking? Hmm. Drake. 
Okay, so that's where I'm going as well. I have the Drake Bulldogs winning this game. Um, to me, I don't know what it is about Missouri State, um, and this does feel like a different Missouri State team, but um, I guess until you do it, I'm not going to believe you can. And um, uh, would I be shocked if they're playing Sunday? No, they're a great team. They're a two-seed for a reason. But uh, to me, I think that the uh, winning pedigree of Drake, some of their guys, uh, you know, the Murphys of the world, the Sturts of the world, I think they find a way to get it done in that matchup. Um, Gage Prim will be a really tough matchup for uh, for Drake. Uh, Darnell Brody's going to have to have a nice game. Um, and I hopefully Wilkins is healthy. If Wilkins isn't healthy, I think that changes things, but I'm assuming he will play. Um, give me the Drake Bulldogs. I think that's uh, – and, and that, that'll be another – I mean, I don't think any – well, I take that back. I, I think Southern Illinois versus Missouri State will not be as close, but um, there's so many matchups that Saturday could just be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, okay, championship. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very chalk. You are not. Um, so my chalk bracket is I have Northern number one Northern Iowa versus number two Missouri State. You have number five Bradley versus number three Drake. Do we want to say our Arch Madness champion on three, Baker? Yeah, that works for me. All right. One, two, three. Missouri Drake. State. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ended up with the two teams we picked at the beginning. It's like the two teams, that, the team that you were on all year and the team that I've been on all year. It just so had, need, to, it had to go down like that. I knew that was how it was going. I need to uh, shout out so, uh, my buddy who I'm actually going to Arch Madness with. He goes... I uh, can't wait for your episode. Let me guess. You're going to pick Missouri state. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, uh, our good friend, Nick is going to be happy to hear this, but um, I'll go first. I, um, I, and I talked to you this afternoon. I've actually been going back and forth between Bradley and Drake really badly. If Bradley's stretch wasn't, if I didn't feel like their, their path was just so hard with that, the emotion of that Loyola game is going to be hard. And then even, with Northern Iowa being a tough matchup, it's going to be a hard for them just to get to Sunday. Um, and I know I'm going on a limb for that, but I, so I'm kind of hedging a little bit in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but by no means would I be surprised if they won Arch Madness. Uh, but for me, Drake, I think this is the, this is the cap of this group. This is the, um, th- this is what this group is built for. They're going to win an Arch Madness. I always thought they would. Um, you know, when I'm talking about Penn Murphy, this crew Hemphill that we haven't even talked about during this preview at all. Um, I think this is, this is their moment for me. And I think they find a way, I know depth has been an issue all year, but you know, when your first seven are as good as Drake are, I think that you're always going to have a chance to win. And, you know, even last year they made to Sunday and were competitive with loyal and had a lot of depth issues going into arch madness. Uh, I think, I think this is the year that Drake finally cuts down the nets in St. Louis. Yeah, that would be tough. I mean, maybe go was it zero and two the last two years, right? Uh, no, no. Or they last only year, made well, last, last year. Oh, they sorry. Lost. No, sorry. I'm mean, no. Yeah, I'm saying sorry. Zero and two for the last couple, last two years. So okay, it's yeah, tough yeah. to go back. But oh, with this group, you mean? Yeah, yeah. With this back group. To back, I get it. Yeah. Yep. Back to back nope. lose on Sunday. That's no good feeling. Um. So I I, I like the pick. Uh, for me, Missouri State, uh, mine is a little bit of a hedge because I think their road is a little bit easier. And I, and I hate to say it, but... Uh, We're both going know, the hedge route. I love it. Um, it's more of like if they... I just I struggle with Southern and Missouri State. That's why I did not want to put, see Missouri State hit the three line in the opening yep. night game. Um, so that's where I went with that one is, uh, you know, I 
you and I could go through a very tough Bradley. Um, and for, honestly, you go back to Friday, I can see Illinois State giving you and I all they want. So I can see them having a couple close games um, and just um, not have legs on Sunday. So you have, so I'm sorry, you have you and I versus Drake on Sunday, which is the other game that we said would be an insane matchup. No, I have you and I in Missouri State. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you had Missouri State. Sorry. I yep. was missing something. Sorry. Um, did we talk about that? I think we talked about that one because those two games were crazy good this year too, though. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, we're splitting hairs right now because we, we all know it's going to be a real Valley Arch Madness. And for all we know, you know, freaking Illinois State is playing on Sunday and go 0-6. That'd be great. Um, hey, okay, so I got a couple <laughs> things for you real quick before we close this. Um, so you're taking Missouri State. I'm picking Drake. Uh, does your answer change if Loyola is playing Missouri State on Sunday? Yes. You would pick Loyola if they get to Sunday? I would. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, I actually – I I think that I would too if it was Drake playing Loyola on Sunday. I mean, for me, it's uh, Loyola's defense. You know, I'm a defensive-minded, you know, guy. Come on, I'm a Saluki. Uh, so, you know, I, I lean defensive teams, and um, I, I it all comes down to that 4-5 game, Loyola and Bradley. For, for I agree with bracket. you. I mean, I agree with you. It, it truly does. If I So are you on the same page with me? If Loyola wins the 4-5, they cut down the – oh, yeah, do they cut down the nets? I think they do. Yeah, I do too. I agree. Um, which a lot of Valley fans, including us, won't be happy about. But um, if they can win three games in three days in this gauntlet of a Missouri Valley, then they absolutely deserve to dunk on every Valley fan on the way out the door. And yep, I'll be standing underneath the rim in the restricted area. Yeah, there you go. All right, Valley fans, it is the Arch Madness preview show. So we are joined by none other than Harry Schrader of Valley Hoops Insider and contributor to Busting Brackets. We have Harry on a lot, and he is our favorite guest uh, for this episode, and we are excited to have him again. It's another year, and Arch Madness is upon us. You know, um, Harry, I'm thinking, you know, in, in my mind, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I love it. Harry, how are we doing? I'm doing great, uh, obviously, you know, because it is the most wonderful time of the year. I told some Missouri Valley Conference official earlier uh, this weekend, I said, uh, yeah, it's coming up on my favorite weekend of the year, and they have to work really hard, right? And he said, my favorite weekend of the year is in June. <laughs> so <laughs> It's different for the people that really have to work, but for people like us, it's a great weekend. Sure is. And uh, Valley fans, you will hear him if you are at Arch Madness and you're walking around the concourse while the game is going on in the Thursday night 8-9 game between the Illinois State Redbirds and the Indiana State Sycamores. Or if you're in the Friday second game of the first session in the 4-5 matchup between the Loyola Ramblers and Bradley Braves, he is going to be calling those games for KTRS, the big 550. And we're excited to hear you do it. Well, it'll be a lot of fun. I love doing those kinds of things. And the folks at the Big 550 are kind enough to, uh, you know, let me do it and, and invite me in. And, and that's just what I love to do. I love doing that more than most anything. Absolutely. So, it, hey, we got through the 18-game regular season. We crowned the Northern Iowa Panthers as the Missouri Valley Conference regular season champion. 
but we got to clear the record books books now because all eyes lead to St. Louis and the Arch Madness Missouri Valley Conference Championship Tournament. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, and 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 honestly, it's you know all all candor. Uh, I picked Northern Iowa to win the the league preseason, uh, and and I did it through a different number of different metrics that I created, and I picked the Panthers to win. Uh, that said, I sure didn't expect when I was going to be announcing the four or five game on Friday to get Loyola. I mean, that was just shocking the way that all played out. Yeah. Uh, before we get into Arch Madness, and obviously that's the that's the name of the game we're at right now. But I do want to I do want to put a bow on the regular season, Harry. Um, insanely competitive season. Uh, obviously, yeah. you see with the top four um, just being so tight and then um, Bradley and Southern Illinois coming on late. Um the, in your opinion, is this the, one of the most competitive years you've seen in in a while? This one, this one, it feels it feels different. It feels like every game was just a nip and tuck till the end. And um, I mean, as you can see, so many overtime games and close games. It did feel that way to you as covering it. It did. I mean, thirteen overtime games out of the ninety, I guess, that were completely played, and roughly fifty percent of the games were five points and less. So even game by game, it was super tight. And obviously, at the top four. Yeah, you couldn't be any tighter than they were. And and so it was exciting. I mean, every night you didn't know who was going to win. And, and, and frankly, every time I expected Indiana State to take off and be really good about every other game, and, and then they would just lose and, and struggle along. I think the one team that uh, you would say, yeah, they weren't competitive was the 10th place Evansville Purple Aces. But the other nine teams, despite a bad record for Illinois State and Indiana State, uh, they were competitive. They, they, you know, put the scare in some people. And, and so I think it was a highly competitive year and a very exciting one. Yeah, I thought so too. And, and I, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was just, um, cause I know, uh, but when people listen to this podcast, they're going to, they'll, they'll have known who was on first, second team on all, all of those, uh, who did you, who are you having as your player of the year? Uh, just curious. Uh, cause I think that's a, I think that's a really debatable thing. I, um, Vance and I have talked about it at nauseum. We have, I think there's three really deserving players at the top of the list. Um, where, where did you go with this one, Harry? Yeah, I thought Garrett Sturts was at the top. No, just kidding. The, hey, uh... no, you know what though? It, <laughs> if, if people are, we're listening, we're recording this early, but if he's not on one of the three teams, I'm going to riot. <laughs> uh, no, I'm a big Garrett, Garrett Sturts fan. Uh, listen, I'm on record. I wrote a story before the Loyola Northern Iowa game. And I said, everything was on the table. Whoever won was going to be coach of the year. Whoever won was going to be player of the year. Um, I'm old school. I don't think you can be the most valuable player unless you're on the team that wins the championship. Uh, and so that just made me give it to AJ Green. I, I'm a guy that says that all the time. I couldn't cheat at the end. You, you could make a, a great case, right, for Lucas Williamson or Isaiah Mosley. And, and I wouldn't be angry if anybody disagreed. That's just the way I voted. Uh, in in, in uh, just transparency here for newcomer of the year, I didn't vote for Tucker DeVries because I think it's silly that the Valley has a newcomer and, and let's freshmen be on the newcomer team. So in kind of protest, I didn't vote for Tucker DeVries who will be on that team in spite of not getting a vote from me. I, he didn't get in the top five. I didn't vote for him at all. Uh, and so, you know, I've got, I've got things that I, the, the pattern that I'm going to vote with. And so that made it AJ Green. Yeah, it was interesting. That kind of came up. I was, Vance, keep me honest here. Was it two years ago when uh, Marcus Damask was uh, freshman of the year and newcomer of the year in the same season? I think it was first team as well, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and I, I wonder, is, is, do you think that we need to have, have kind of a divide between freshman newcomer when it comes I, to voting? 
I do 100%. And, 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 and even like their weekly thing, they have a newcomer of the week award and it's can be a freshman or one of those transfers. And uh, like, as you guys know, I, I cover the Ohio Valley conference. They separate those weekly. And then they also separate them at the end of the year. And I just, I think it makes more sense. I, I, I know Tucker was a newcomer because he was a freshman, but I think it's a dramatically different position. Yeah. One more thing I want to ask you about the the regular season before we get to Arch Madness and I'll kick it over to Vance for that. But um, Ben Jacobson, um, I, I personally, um, I think he's got to be the coach of the year. Hopefully when we're, when this, when it comes out, he is. Um, what, what are your thoughts just kind of on the season that they had? Because I mean, I was hypercritical of them in the pre the non-conference. They were, they kind of came out of the blocks and really sluggish and, lost some games that I don't think they should have, but um, I think a lot of credit has to go to Ben just because he rallied them around. And I mean, 14 and four in the regular season is, is a pretty impressive clip. Well, obviously we're all huge fans of Ben Jacobson. He's the been there 16 years and now they've won the title. You know, they've only won the title, I think five times the whole time they've been in the Valley and now four of them with him as the coach. And, uh, or it might be just four and four. I can't remember exactly. And um, he's a great coach and a, and, and a great leader of those guys. And they did struggle early. And I remember talking to Ben about third, fourth game and, and, and asked him about those first two. They kind of laid an egg the first two games. And he said, I told my team I'm not talking about those two games anymore. So I'm not talking about them with you either, Harry. <laughs> so he's just like, we either got to flush them out the way. They were really banking on Austin Fife, obviously, being a pillar in the middle and running that pick and roll game that they're so famous for. And uh, Fife just couldn't go with the long-term COVID effects. And so they had to shift about eight, nine, maybe 10 games in and, and, and put uh, Noah Carter in, in the, in the five, although he's not a five and, and Carter flourished in the Valley season. And, and the team really came along. I thought bone born, they were missing born early. He had a, a hand injury and then some shin splints and he was struggling. Uh, Bur, uh, Green missed some time, Burhau missed some time. And I think it was just difficult for them to get in rhythm. And once they did, they were awfully good. Couldn't agree more. I mean, what a season for Ben Jacobson and those you uh, and I Panthers. So let's get into the real thing, Harry. I mean, you know, three days or four days in March um, in St. Louis. So uh, pairings came out uh, pretty much immediately after the you and I Loyola. And mm -hmm. I guess really it was the Bradley Valpo game. Um, so just looking at the bracket as a whole, the first thing I kind of do is what's the easiest path to Sunday? And easy is a relative term. Um, whenever you look at the bracket, is there one side that you want to be on if you are a Missouri Valley Conference team? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I think it's difficult, right, to come from the, the one seed side, you know, because of, of what you have to face. But, uh, I, you know, unless you're that number one seed, right? And right. I, I think I think the other side is tougher, right? You know, I you're going to have uh, the two team and the three team, you know, but but it's so balanced this year that four and five are nothing to mess around with, right? And and so I I don't know that there's an easier side. I, I honestly don't. Uh, you know, do you want to play if you're Northern Iowa? Do you want to play Loyola or Bradley in the second round? I, I don't want to play them, right? And so. Uh, flipping it over, you've got Drake Southern and, and Missouri State on that other side. If, you, if, if we just have chalk through the first two rounds, there's no picnic there. So I think it's actually easier on the Missouri State side of the bracket, the lower side of the bracket. Uh, and I also think the Bears are stinking dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so it could be a very interesting tournament. Before we get talking about the um, the, the real contenders to win Arch Madness. Um, I think we need to do a little due to the Thursday folks as one of my team, my team is on the Thursday. 
on the Come Thursday on, game. Hey, you're going to be calling it. I love it. Hopefully right. a lot of Redbird love. Um, but just to kind of put you on the spot, of the four teams, um, looking ahead at who they would match up with, Indiana State and Illinois State, they would maybe play Northern Iowa. The other side would play Missouri State. Of those four teams, which one do you think has the best chance to get to the semifinals of Arch Madness? Wow. That's a tough one. I, you know, if, if Valpo, you know, Diavero uh, got hurt and now he's out and they, and they've been battling injuries. If Valpo was healthy, I would say Valpo. Uh, I think they're very talented and they've got guys that can score. And, and I love Sheldon Edwards and uh, you know, they, they can do some things to you when, when they have Kithier and Cricky healthy, there's times when those two big guys can dominate games. Uh, but is Kithier even going to play now they're down a guard uh, so I think it's a struggle for them. It won't be Evansville, uh, Indiana state. I think now that they're healthy is deeper than Illinois state, but then you've got maybe the best scorer in the league at Illinois state. I think if one guy can carry a team it's Antonio Reeves. And, and so Illinois state maybe has the best shot only because, you know, it's like in, in a boxing match, you know, if you can throw that one haymaker, that one knockout blow, maybe you can win a game in a, in a, in a, crazy different kind of environment yeah and, and if you look at northern iowa they play kind of that down uh, they kind of play that similar downhill style like illinois state and i mean you know getting to a get into a, a track meet with them you, you could you can maybe hang around if you're illinois state um i i think all thursday all the thursday teams are going to have a really hard time getting to getting to saturday as you pretty much thought um but let's get into some of these games and the, i think the one that's on everybody's mind um the the one we all kind of hoped for secretively because Bradley and Loyola, it just seems like there's a nice little rivalry that's been brewing. Um, and you are lucky enough to be able to call this game. Um, give us your thoughts uh, early on with uh, Loyola and Bradley. Man, I tell you, you know, you know what I love about Brian Wardle is, and is that he's just so stinking feisty. You know, <laughs> he, he's the one guy in the Valley. Well, maybe Dana Ford too. Uh, they might be the only two coaches that aren't just kind of the nicest guys around, you know? And, and so I like the feisty nature of Brian Wardle. Uh, and they play defense, right? Uh, defense is so huge, and particularly at the Enterprise Center in downtown St. Louis, it's a tough place to shoot. And, and so I think their ability to defend, and of course, Loyola is an outstanding defensive team too. Um, to me, if I can just whine for a minute, uh, if you followed me on Twitter watching Northern Iowa and Loyola play, uh, that game was officiated uh, weirdly. Uh, there were like 60 fouls or 50 something fouls in that game. However, this game is officiated is going to be a big factor in who wins it. If you've been paying attention, um, you know, to this particular, I'm a minutia kind of a guy. Uh, Loyola averages less than 16 fouls against in all of their games, other than the five conference games they lost. And they were averaging 22 against, going into the Northern Iowa game and the four that they lost and they had like 32 fouls on Saturday. So, and, and they lost the game. I, I just think that how it's officiated is going to be huge. Clearly Loyola is the better team, meaning they're deeper. They have more players. They have more weapons, particularly if Marquise Kennedy comes back, which, you know, we're hearing that he might be back for uh, arch madness and uh, you know, but so that I think they're deeper. But, but Bradley, that ability to defend, and I think Roberts and, and I think Mikey Howell has been playing his best basketball and Leones has been coming on all year long. I, they're a dangerous, dangerous team. I think it's going to be, for me, a fun game to broadcast. And for fans, I think it's going to be spectacular. Do you, th do you think that with this game, with these two teams going up against each other and 
kind of that it's going to be a it's going to be, I mean it's going to be a war between those two and do you think that that lends itself to kind of running out of gas going into Saturday I mean that's going to take a lot to get through Friday for both teams and I think you have a Northern Iowa team that could 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 be sitting there ready to ready to play either one I, I think well, that's going to that's going to be the hardest thing in my opinion for both teams yeah well I think that's the advantage right that you you won the you won the regular season and and you get that easy theoretically easy game on on day one and and maybe four and five beat each other to death. And so, yeah, it's totally a, an advantage for you and I. Uh, but both those teams, again, I'll just say it, Loyola's deep, and they're used to this. They've done this, right? They've played in the NCAA tournament. They've won Arch Madness championships, as have the Bradley Braves, you know, two of the you know most recent ones. Bradley's won them. So both of these teams and coaches know how to fight through the three games in three days scenario. So we've, you mentioned it a little bit, or you, or you hinted at it. Uh, Baker and I have talked about it a little bit. Um, I think everyone knows where I fall in the spectrum uh, whenever it comes to the guys in, in stripes and the variants um, throughout the season. Um, I do think it's something that's reared its head. There is a vocal minority, I would say, on Twitter for various fan, fan bases that you're going to hear the same messaging game in and game out. I've been – I went to the SIU Indiana State game, and then – uh, the SIU Drake game where it felt like it was no blood, no foul, the way yeah. calling it. And then you have uh, certain coaches calling for hand checks to get called, um, which is a wild thing uh, when you see on the sidelines sometimes. I mean, how is, is that because we're in this social media age, so we maybe are just more prone to seeing it more, whereas maybe last year in a COVID season, we we're just happy to have basketball, so we weren't going to complain that much. Do you think there's anything there in just the differentiation or is it just another year and it's the same gripes yearning you're out of when it comes to officiating? Well, fans are going to whine. And, and, if, and if my team, and I don't have a team, but if my team loses, I'm probably going to whine. But literally, I was throwing things at my TV on Saturday, watching the Loyola Northern Iowa game, because I thought the officials were ruining the game. Not, not because I cared who won, but because I thought that they were calling a lot of ticky tack things. And, and, and it didn't, it wasn't relevant. And, and these teams that then when they go into the NCAA tournament, they're going to be officiated, uh, like you said, Vance, in a much more physical way. And so the officials have to figure that out. What's the right way for me to officiate? And I don't have my numbers in front of me because I didn't update them yet from the weekend. But you guys know this. I chart all of the officials that uh, officiate Missouri Valley Conference games. And, and there are certain referees that just don't call many fouls. And there are some that are going to call a bunch. And, and last year, and I've tracked it, this is my third year doing this, there were way less fouls called last year during COVID when there weren't fans in the stands than there were this year when there were people yelling and screaming. That's interesting. Yeah, and I love Missouri Valley Conference tournament time just because I do feel like we get our standard uh, flag bearers of officials that come in that are the same ones that we're going to see in the first, second, um, uh, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, John you Higgins, the better Jerry ones Pollard. for sure. Yep. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting, and I couldn't agree more. And you know, I'm 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 not an official basher by any means, but I do see there has been some variance out there just in the games that I've I've noticed. So I'm going to be very curious in St. Louis. Um, and and I will say this. I mean, my bias comes out as a Saluki fan. I don't want a lot of fouls called. We're one of the best defensive teams in the, in the, in the conference. So I like the no blood, no foul, <laughs> um, you know, pace of play. But I was, uh, always just. 
Yeah, well, I was I tweeted this out yesterday. My son played youth basketball. I was a middle school basketball coach, right? Because my kid was playing. And the guy, the guy that ran the whole league, he says, uh, listen, parents never complain about the referees. And he has his son stand up. He said, son, what do I teach you that the referee's job is? And he said, Dad, the referee's job is to ruin the game. So he said, <laughs> to the, so he said to the parents, if they're ruining the game, they're doing their job. Let them go. Yeah. I love it. I think the next time I officiate out in my coaches meeting, I'm going to, I'm going to lead with, uh, instead of I'm here to administer the rules as governed by the IHSA, which is my standard opening. It's like, I am here to ruin the game guys. (laughs) That's an awesome line. I love that. Hey, um, okay. So um, looking at that bottom half, I, I'm with you in the sense that I think the bottom half of the bracket, so Missouri State, Drake, SIU, that's it, for lack of a better term, the path of least resistance to Sunday in Vance's opinion as of right now. Um, Missouri State is 2-0 and over everyone in that uh, bracket, which is, I think, pretty interesting when you when you think, think through things. Um, so... Drake SIU sitting there. Um, there is three points combined margin of victory for the Drake Bulldogs in their two games. So Drake is 2-0 and versus the Salukis. But like I said, three points um, over those two wins. Um, I think that game, the 830, the late one, is uh, using Baker's term here, sneaky good um, of don't go to sleep for this game. Well, you should never, right? Did I turn my Mac back on? You should never. But the uh... – Listen, the Salukis are a very interesting team to me because uh, if, if I remember properly, they didn't win a game against the top four teams. And, and they did very well, obviously, against everybody else. Uh, they, and they, it took them a while to get going. And, and maybe because their season was front-loaded in terms of their tougher games. Uh, and so they got healthy, so to speak, in the schedule uh, late in the year. So I think it's going to be interesting, but you're right, Vance, the way they play defense, they, they can hang with anybody. I keep waiting. I've told this to Darren DeVries. I keep waiting for the Bulldogs to, you know, hit a flat tire and be done. I mean, they play, they only play six guys, seven guys. I don't know how they keep winning, but they're, they're amazing that they do with practically nobody on their team, uh, you know, in terms of numbers. And, and so I do think Southern can use that to their advantage a little bit, neutral court, uh, Brian Mullins has been that place, you know, so many times, but Darren DeVries, man, uh, he, he's just a winner. And, and so I do think, I think it's a, you said sneaky good or sneaky interesting or whatever the phrase you said. I love that. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah. Well, last thing here is, and one thing for the Salukis, and I think also you fans know that is we can't spot teams 10 plus points in St. Louis. That's just, we like coming back from being down. It feels like, but St. Louis is not the place to do that. And Lance Jones is one of my favorite guys. Since Jashan Henry's been out, uh, Lance Jones has become one of my favorite guys because I always have a favorite, and, and Jashan Henry was my guy. But uh, uh, I love the way Lance – he just, like, attacks, doesn't he? He's just – he's just I'm going to go to the rim, try to stop me. <laughs> I, lo- I love watching him play. I'm with you. Lance Jones has got that fearless play. I, mm-hmm. I, he, he gives me Iverson flashback sometimes where he he's going to the hoop and he's not he's not afraid but Harry I I gotta obviously put you on the spot here because uh that's what we do um Mm. looking ahead to Sunday um who's playing in the championship game and who do you have winning it well uh, clearly I think northern uh well no I don't think let me think I'm getting through what I'm getting through one game at a time 
Uh, yeah, and I think chalk will prevail, right? I think I do think the top four teams will be in the semifinals. I want to start there. And, and frankly, I think Missouri State, it's, it's their tournament to kind of win here. I do. Um, I think that they have so much firepower, so much ability. I, I didn't rank them as high in my preseason ranking because Dana Ford had never proved he could win big games against the better teams. He did that this year. And so now I've elevated them, right? And in, in, in the way that I think about uh, how they're going to go about it. Uh, so I think they're going to be there on Sunday. And I, and I think Northern Iowa is going to be there on Sunday. I, I just have great faith in Ben Jacobson and what they're doing. Uh, if if I'm, I'm on Springfield Radio in the morning, and so I will definitely say the Bears are going to win the tournament tomorrow on Springfield Radio. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that it, they're the team that should be ascending right now. And I, and, and I, I think they really could be the champion. I think the Bears could take it from the two spot. All right. So one question based on that, and that's awesome. I, I appreciate it. Did I picking. say that soft enough? I, no. I don't want to say it too strongly. <laughs> no, no. We, <laughs> Harry made a definitive statement. Missouri State yeah. is winning. The, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> curious as, as we talk through, because there's, I think there's multiple teams that can win this, this tournament. Do you, how how many teams do you actually think can cut down the nets? Do you think all six teams could? No. I, I, think, I think five could. You think five? I do. I don't think Southern can. I, I just okay. don't think they've proven they can't beat all those teams. And so, so until they prove that they can, I, I can't imagine them winning two of them, three of them, you know. So I don't think they can. Uh, Drake could. I just think they will run out of gas. So I don't think that that's likely. Um, and, and Bradley's proven they can win in St. Louis. But I really do think it's going to be Northern and Loyola all over again in the semifinals. So I think that will be another war. And uh you know, Northern might not even make it to the finals. Who knows? And, you know, I'm a bracketology guy, meaning I'm not smart about it, meaning I just watch it. And, 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 and I kind of hope Loyola does get to the final. I think that would keep them in the conversation to be in the tournament and then not win so that we, so that the Valley could have two teams in the NCAA tournament. Well, the weekend is upon us, Harry. Uh, before we get out of here, what's kind of your plans for the weekend? I always ask, like asking people, how do you approach Arch Madness weekend? Obviously a little different for you because you will be calling one of the Thursday night games, but maybe take us through what this week looks like. And, you know, as you made the definitive statement, the Missouri State might win this thing um, on <laughs> Sunday. We are recording on Sunday, February 27th. What's the next week look like, Harry? It's crazy. I'm writing a ton of stuff, both for my website and for bustingbrackets.com. I've got a couple of radio things that I'm doing this week as well. Uh, I'll be interviewing... Uh, Dick Ludke this week, you know, the, awesome. retiring, the retiring Illinois State uh, broadcaster. And I'll be interviewing Gary Rima, the retiring Northern Iowa broadcaster this week as well, uh, writing a ton for the site. Then uh, then all of a sudden the tournament happens, right? And I just live at Enterprise Center. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I barely leave. And I'm there, just there constantly because I'm writing, interviewing, announcing, and pinballing back and forth between all those various jobs and interviewing people there. And, and so it's it's like crack. I mean, you know, frankly, you know, it's like <laughs> just for five or six days, it's just mainlining MVC basketball. I love it. You know, you're going to need the coffee and the soda um, and from the media room, just, you know, inject it all the time. <laughs> totally. Straight into the vein. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we look forward to, I hope, I hope I get to see you down there, Harry. Actually, I know I'll see you at some point um, just so we can say, hey, uh, uh, potentially uh, share a meal or one of those uh, sodas together in between games. But the best weekend of the year is upon us. And as always, thank you, Harry Schrader, for joining the March Arch podcast. Missouri Valley Conference fans, if you haven't 
tuned in, make sure you check it out at Valley Hoops Insider. And also uh, those articles that are coming up on Busting Brackets. And then, as always, on Twitter, at FatherHarry1. Appreciate it, guys. Always fun. As Arch Madness uh, is upon us, Vegas weighed in on the action. And uh, we're going to just go through the lines of where Vegas thinks that uh, Arch Madness um, champions will be. And, you know, if you want to put some money on these games, um, there's some value out there if you uh, choose to partake in uh, this type of entertainment. Right, Baker? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's interesting. You want to go through uh, yeah. go through what go through what Vegas has to say, and we'll comment on it. All right, so Vegas thinks there's a clear cut favorite at Loyola Chicago at plus one thirty. Um, the next closest team is Northern Iowa and Missouri State, both sitting at plus four ninety. Uh, Drake is at plus five hundred, so just under uh, Missouri State, Northern Iowa. Then uh, Bradley is at plus seven hundred. Southern Illinois is at plus 1,900. Uh, Indiana State is at plus 11,000. Valpo is at plus 12,000. Illinois State plus 18,000. Evansville at plus 50,000. I mean, a lot of value on the Redbirds there. That's what I, I think the first thing that comes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, there is, but they're not going to win it all. So, uh, no, it's interesting that Loyola is plus 130. It kind of surprises me because, I mean, that's almost even money odds to mm-hmm. win the whole conference tournament. That feels like, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to judge it on this one because there's a part of me that's like, you know, I guess if if you looked at the team, the 10 teams on paper, maybe you'd have them as a favorite to win it all. But if you look at their path, mm-hmm. it's really hard to see them win it all. Um, especially as we talked about, I mean, we both picked Bradley. So, um I think that those odds are probably based on name value because people are going to look at Arch Madness and think, oh, Loyola, they've got some of the guys I know. I'm going to, I'm going mm-hmm. to go with them. Um, I think there's a ton of value on the teams that I have in the final, Bradley and Drake. I think that those are, as, as you even get down to Southern Illinois. Yep. I'm with you. It's just interesting, the gap between uh, Loyola and just Northern Iowa and Missouri State, especially since Northern Iowa is the one seed. But, yeah, um, yeah, just the, the risk gap is, is interesting there. Um, no surprises with the Thursday night team. Um, obviously, no one has any faith in Evansville at plus uh, 50,000 um, there. But, I mean, if you're into that type of thing, it's interesting. It's at least – it's a proxy for who the favorite is um, going into Arch Madness. Um, and you basically throw out the seedings. I mean, there's no numbers at the front of the names, right? Um, it's, you know, they don't care about seedings. This is truly who the favorites are, and Loyola is um, a significant favorite uh, going into Arch Madness. No doubt about it. All right, Valley fans. Uh, on Tuesday, the all-conference picks were released by the Missouri Valley Conference along with the player of the year. So AJ Green is the Missouri Valley player of the year. No surprise here. I think we can make a case for another one that could have gotten it, uh, that uh, there wouldn't have been a ton of heartache for these two podcasters, but it was good to see in the voting that the top three were who they were. Um, AJ Green got the most points at 139. Isaiah Mosley was second in balloting at 106. And Lucas Williamson was it had 82 
points coming in third. Baker, uh, any thoughts here on player of the year? Yeah. No, sorry. I, hey, sorry. I should say the NBC Larry Bird trophy winner. Yeah, um, get it uh, right. Put, put some respect <laughs> on his name, Larry Bird. Um, I mean, it, this was what we expected, right? I mean, we, we kind of thought that AJ Green was going to win player of the year. Um, and we talk about it with Harry as well, but like we both, we both had Mosley. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to give it to the player, the best player on the, the team that won the league, um, you know, AJ Green was very deserving. And in a lot of years, he should win it. Um, I just think that the special performance for Mosley this year, um, statistically, uh, scoring wise, I think they're pretty even. And I think Mosley's just better in, in other aspects of his game. But um, like, AJ Green was my is, had had moved into my second spot at the end of the year after Saturday, so I'm I'm not like I don't think I'm that pissed about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm not uh, mad or frustrated by any means, and I think it it truly comes down to what we talked about with Harry is there are those out there that you're just not going to change hearts and minds that the best player on the best team should be the player of the year, and like that's just you know that's just yeah. one how one how people evaluate it. No no gripes. I mean. No. I think you can make a case for one A, one B, potentially even one C. Um, you know, for all three of these, but definitely one A and one B. Yeah, no, I think it. It. I think the only question is, I, I do question who, how some of the voters didn't have Mosley on their list. There's a couple there that didn't even have him in the top three, um, and even one I think with AJ Green, I, I question that a little bit. Uh, yeah. But end of the day, um, a deserving player of the year, AJ Green. So Absolutely. hats off to him, hell of a year. All right, let's keep going down the specialty awards before we make it to the all-conference team. So newcomer of the year, Terry Roberts from Bradley University. Yeah, slam dunk. I think uh, I'm just glad that they they split that and freshman. Yep, freshman of the year. Um, this one has been etched a- into the trophy for a while now. Tucker DeVries of Drake University. Well-deserved. And defensive MVP, uh, Lucas Williamson of Loyola. Uh, no surprise there either. Yeah, no surprise. You could have made a case for I think a couple other guys on for defensive MVP, but Lucas Williamson's just such a. I mean, he's he's one of the best defensive players I've seen in my lifetime in the Valley. So, um, well deserved as well. And then the final uh, specialty award, sixth man of the year, is Bowen Bourne of the University of Northern Iowa. Yeah, um, I, I guess I won't say a lot of gripe here. I think it was between three guys. I think it was between Tank Hemphill, uh, Sheldon Edwards, and Bowen Bourne. Um, and I think you could have gone all three different ways. Bowen Bourne had an awesome performance in the last game of the season. Um, I'm guessing that's probably what put him over the top, but I don't think there's Vance. I don't have a huge gripe with this one. I think it was going to go to one of the three and it was just going to be, you know, Bowen Bourne had that, had the great closing argument. So give him credit on that. One thing to note here that uh, I think it was going around Twitter as people were thinking about voting is this, uh, they have to have started fewer than 25% of Northern Iowa's team games um, in either all games or in conference only play there. So uh, Bowen Bourne, a good start to his Missouri Valley career last year's freshman of the year. And now this year's sixth man of the year. Yep. All right, let's move on to the first team. So the aforementioned uh, A.J. Green, Isaiah Mosley, and Lucas Williamson uh, were on that team, Um, in addition to Gage Prim of Missouri State and Terry Roberts of Bradley University. Yeah, this is – I I do have a gripe about this one. Um, I I have a really hard time – believing or have a hard time with rink mass being behind terry roberts um and this isn't a shot terry roberts he had an awesome year he's newcomer of the year for a reason um 
I just wonder, I, I just question the voters on this one. Like um, anybody that's watching the Bradley games, I think you, I think that's pretty clear to me who is the catalyst of that team. Um, mm-hmm. His statistics might not have been um, at the end of the year. They might not have been exactly what Prim had. Um, but if you watched Bradley play this year, I, I just have a hard time figuring out a way to not have him on first team. I agree wholeheartedly, and we, uh, I honestly thought that we kind of thought that the the five names were pretty much set in stone. I wasn't really expecting uh, this one at all, um, in, my, in my mind. I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, no, I was kind of shocked when I saw it as well. I mean, Terry Roberts had an awesome year, and I had him second team. I, mean, it's yeah. just, I think it was, to me, yeah. I, I think Mass made his case a long time ago, and it was this was yep. this was a foregone conclusion to my mind, but um, so, move on to second, I guess. Yeah, second team. Um, we have Noah Carter of Northern Iowa, Tucker DeVries of Drake and Freshman of the Year, Marcus Damask uh, of Southern Illinois, Antonio Reeves of Illinois State, and Garrett Sturtz of Drake University. Yeah, not a ton of a uh, ton of argument here. I actually had Reeves uh, third team. Um, which would have put him, which would have made sense because I would have had Roberts on second. But, um, you know, happy as an Illinois State fantasy Reeves get his uh, get his shine a little bit, getting on second team. Um, I think this podcast has been on the Garrett Sturts train for a long time, and um, I, I'm i so happy that he was recognized for second team because mm-hmm. he does a lot of the really, really good, gritty things on that team, and sometimes it goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that the league really put some shine on him. So, um, and and you know, Damask made a great great end of the season push. Uh, especially, it's funny as we as we went through the preview when I didn't have him on my first three teams. Ever since then, he's just been incredible. So, um, he must have listened. And uh, Tucker DeVries is a no brainer as well as Noah Carter. Uh, Noah Carter's just been awesome. All right, let's get to the third team. We have Ben Cricky of Valparaiso, Rinkmast of Bradley University, Cooper Neese of Indiana State, Braden Norris of Loyola, and Roman Penn of Drake. Yeah, we've kind of already gone through the whole Rinkmast thing. Obviously, we we don't agree with it. Um, uh, Neese, Norris, Cricky, all three deserving on third team. I have no issue with that. Um, I think the only last spot that I have any issue with is uh, Roman Penn over Lance Jones. Um I get the argument because, you know, Roman Penn was hurt this year. Um, he's been playing through injury, but he wasn't the same player. Um, if he's 100% healthy, he's probably sitting on first team. But I thought that was, what Lance Jones deserved to be recognized this year, and I thought he would have been more deserving uh, for third team. Vance, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I just think if you even look at the stats, uh, Lance Jones is um, above Penn in, in a big way and all the major um, – uh, conference stats. So, I mean, led the league in steals. Um, uh, Penn was 10th in that one. Scoring-wise, yep. uh, Lance Jones was 8th. Uh, Roman Penn was not in the top 15. Mm-hmm. Um, rebounding, uh, same thing. Uh, so, it's yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. That's a hard um, one. That's a hard one to justify in my mind as a, if you're a voter to justify Roman Penn above Lance Jones. I think name value is a, a big one uh, with that one. Uh, Which is I, wrong. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I, mean, I think, uh, yeah, well, if, we know that one. But. And, and, and and the thing is, like, this isn't and, – and we're not trying to take shots at Roman Penn either. If there is an award for gutsiest player of the year, he'd win it in a landslide mm-hmm. to be able to play with that injured foot all year. Um, but I don't know. Just statistically-wise, I, I don't think that there's really a debate between Jones and Penn. 
Yep. Uh, I do want to correct myself. Rebounding was not one of those stat categories. Just correcting myself. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the all newcomer team. Tucker DeVries, uh, Drake, Cam Henry, Indiana State, Kobe King of Valpo, Chris Knight of Loyola, and Terry Roberts of Bradley. That's exactly how I had it. I, I have no surprises. Issue. I have zero issue with this. All freshmen, Tucker DeVries of Drake, Isaac Haney of Missouri State, Connor Hickman of Bradley, Preston Rudinger of Valpo, and Blake Sisley of Evansville. I don't really have an issue with this. I was happy to see Sisley get on, especially after the how he came on really well at the end of the year. Um, you know, we had kind of talked about it a few times just about how well he's played and how much of a difference maker he has kind of become toward the end of the year. Um I mean, you can make a case for a couple other guys, but um, we had talked about it after DeVries and Hickman. You could kind of go many different ways with this team. So I, I don't have any any real issue, Vance, to you? No, just kind of to recap the conversation in case we have listeners that uh, haven't listened to us the whole season. Uh, when sure. we had this conversation, freshman is one of the hardest ones this year. And you just think about how much COVID plays into that and guys staying um, for an additional year. And we have, um, you know, Drake, I believe, is one of the oldest um, – teams in the league so you just have you don't have as much opportunity for freshmen so really you know a freshman has a couple games hot games you know that could get them onto this list pretty quickly yep. and I think that was one of the cases with Sisley but it was good to see him play consistently and it wasn't just you know a couple um, outlier games no that's a good point because I mean even when we were going through this earlier in the year it was kind of him and Phillips were were kind of on the edge for this team and I think Sisley definitely played himself onto this team for sure and let's go to the all-defensive team, uh, Donovan Clay of Missouri State, Lance Jones of Southern Illinois, uh, Ugrock, Ahira uh, Ugrock of Loyola, DJ Wilkins of Drake, and Lucas Williamson of Loyola. I think there's one glaring omission here, Vance. Um, Malavi Leone should have been on this team. I, I like where your head's going on that one. Um, I thought for me – he would have been the clear number three if I was choosing defensive player of the year behind Williamson and uh, Lance Jones. He was my clear third, and he didn't make the team. Um, to who you would take off, it's, I think you can make a case for all three of the other of the other players on here: Wilkins, Uguak, and Clay, of who you want to take off. But um, to me, you've got to find a spot for Leones on this team. That's fair. Uh, just looking at, I, I know it's not all about, um, you know, block shots and rebounds, but uh, Williams was ninth in blocked shots. Um, and then for rebounding, he was fifth in the league in rebounding. So I think there's some good stats you can point out that uh, is good for making that case, Baker. I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking this was even debatable. Like going into this, did you, I mean, I, it felt to me like Leon's had, played himself into being pretty much a staple of this defensive team, but um, not how the voters went with it. So um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a hard one to argue. It's, it, I don't want to use this as a crutch or um, hedge against this the whole time, but it feels like the other three have names that have been in the league for a while and um, that people know, and they didn't go mm -hmm. with Leones. I don't know if that's the case or not, um, but I would, I would love for someone to explain to me why Leones is not on this team. Cause that, I think, it, it's crazy. Why am I the one, Vance? By the way, that's making the case for the two Bradley guys because I feel like the two, like Leon's not being on defensive team and Rink Mass not being on first team, feel like the two biggest egregious moves of these teams. And I'm fighting for the Bradley players here. What is? Yeah, this? you're you're drinking the Kool Aid and you're the shade of red is just changing. I 
you know what? I think they got it right. Bradley guys, they didn't even deserve one guy. Should I go back to that? No, this is weird though. It does feel weird though. I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to, I'm like, I'm arguing for the Bradley players. What am I doing? <laughs> but, uh, hey, Baker, any other thoughts on uh, all conference teams? I, I do want to plug just uh, what this means for AJ Green as player of the year, the Larry Bird player of the year. Um, he is a two-time winner. Uh, he won it in 2020. Um, the other Panther players that have won this award, Jason Daisy in 97, Adam Cook of uh, in 2010, and Seth Tuttle of 2015, who was also on an early season podcast um, of ours. Uh, and he is the 10th player in league history to earn the Larry Bird trophy more than once. No one has ever won it three times. Yeah, he's going to, I mean, this is, this is cementing his legacy as a Missouri Valley conference player. And um, like we said, it wasn't exactly who we had, but listen, AJ Green's season, you can put up against a lot of player of the years over the years. And it is, it goes up there with right, right against them all. This is, this has been, I think the one thing about it is because we're, we're, and we're nitpicking a lot on some of these awards and everything. It's, it, I think it just shows how good of quality it was this year in the Valley. Like mm-hmm. these, these, I mean, I'm looking at my list still sitting in front of me and there are so many guys that didn't even sniff any of these teams that you could make cases for. And it was, um, to me, Vance, it just shows where the league is, especially some of the underclassmen that are coming up. Um, the league's in really good, good shape right now. And this will be it for all conference awards that we cover just because we like to get this podcast out uh, so people can get pumped for Arch Madness. Um, there will be all bench, most improved, and then the Coach of the Year award will be announced at later dates. Uh, we will not include it in the preview just from a timing perspective, but those awards will be coming up uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Okay, Vance, now we have... I have some awesome questions here for you. This is the final gauntlet of the year before Arch Madness. Uh, what I did was I came up with 10 questions for you um, about each one question for each team. Some are, some are fun. Some are, some are, you know, actually serious, good questions. Um, so just let's just start it off with my Redbirds. Let's rip the Band-Aid off because obviously you're not a Redbird fan. So my first question for you is, uh, which Illinois State loss on Sunday is your favorite? <laughs> Um, you're going to have to help me out. It was like whenever your heart was just pulled out, you were up by 20 at half. Um, what Northern Iowa. Thank you. Um, it was the year was escaping me. Yeah. That one is easily my favorite. That's why you're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, next one's going to be about Drake, which is your favorite Drake Jersey? Uh, the white one with the city line. Uh, or sorry, the what's it called? The Des Moines um, City Line. Yeah, yep, that one. That's, that's a tough question because they literally have two of the best jerseys in the whole league. They do. The baby blues uh, are pretty sweet too. The baby blues are awesome with like the red um, lettering and stitching, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I would just love the skyline. That's sorry, I don't know why yeah, I keep sky- thinking City Line, but yeah, yeah skyline yeah, was, one is my favorite. Skyline is awesome. I. Um, <laughs> Just to throw this idea out there, I don't know if you're listening to Michael Admire, but uh, if you could can talk to the athletic staff and maybe um, bring the Skyline jerseys and the Baby Blue jersey and leave the rest at home. I think those, are the, two, those are the two you come to St. Louis with because that's a home and a road. I know. Well, it's going to be tough because UIC has some pretty sick um, jerseys that are oh. similar with the Skyline um, as well. So, and have you yeah. seen the blue, that like yeah. kind of aqua blue? Oh, my goodness. Those are awesome. I, I, yep. 
Uh, we got another Jersey question coming up. Don't worry. And we're going to talk <laughs> about the other end of the spectrum. Um, all right. So the next one is we've, we've kind of made some jokes about Loyola here and um, I, I, there will be some Loyola fans listening out there and they know who they are, who the ones we love and um, we've interacted with, but tell me your best moment for Loyola at Arch Madness. Is it, um, and just to give you a kind of a few ideas, was it that first time they cut down the nets going to, before their final four run? Was it last year kind of Crutwig having that final moment in the Valley? Was it the Milton Doyle three at the buzzer, which was kind of their arrival moment? Do you have a moment in particular for Loyola that was your favorite moment uh, at Arch Madness? I do. And it um, goes along the lines of the Milton Doyle. And it was really their first year in the Valley. Um, they were a Thursday night team and I don't even know what seed they might've been the 10 seed to be really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday night, they had the best student representation in all of Arch Madness that year. And That's they awesome. were a Thursday night team. They brought so many students cause it was kind of one of those things of they didn't know what to do. Like, I mean, they hadn't <laughs> been there before. And so it's like, one of those is all these students kind of were there for a Thursday night game and everyone was like, what is going on? This isn't normal. So it was just an awesome moment for Loyola. And it's really, um, and it was part of the Melton Doyle years. So it was a very cool moment in my mind. Was that the, was that the same game that did he, was that the first year they hit the, I'm people are going to yell into the, the phone right now. I think that was their first year was that their first Arch Madness when he hit that shot. Correct. I think so. Um, yeah. Someone fact checked this, but somebody's going to fact check us on that. Yeah. That was awesome, especially because that came against Bradley. That is definitely my favorite moment, no doubt about it, because anybody that hits a three at the buzzer against Bradley, that's a win for me. Um, all right, Indiana State, this is a little bit more of a serious question. Um, if Tyreek Key had played this season with the team that they had, um, what seed would they be going into Arch Madness with? Six. I agree. I agree. I think I think you're I think you're on the money there. I think that's the that's the correct answer. I don't have an argument with you on that one. Cool. Um, yeah, he would have been awesome this year. I mean, he was first team all conference going into the regular season for a reason. So mm-hmm. um, he would have unlocked a different type of game with that team. I think he would have he would have kept them afloat at times where they had some depth issues. Uh, it would have been fun to watch, but um, I don't think they they they're on the slide. They are going into Arch Madness with Tyreek. Oh there. heck no! Yeah. No, I think they're I think they're right there with Southern Illinois. Maybe yep. nine and nine, maybe ten and eight, um, somewhere in that kind of general range. Um, okay, Evansville. Your opinion? Do you like Evansville wearing the purple jerseys or the orange jerseys? Purple. You're the purple aces. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I can't stand the orange jerseys. I, yeah, they're bad. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I just, I hate it. Um, all right, Bradley Braves. My question for you is, will you be rooting for the Bradley Braves against the Loyola Ramblers on Friday? Absolutely. Would you, will you wear Bradley gear? No, I don't do that. Okay, I don't do that not gonna wear Bradley. You'll never, ever, ever find me in another school's gear unless I had a family connection, a best friend, this kid, or something of that nature. That's what I was – I actually got into it with um, – oh, I think it was me, you, and Tony, right? You guys were trying to get, like, a future bet involved where oh, we one have of you one. has to wear – Okay. Oh, yeah, I we'll forgot. Te- we'll the, tease that now. We'll tease that next year, Vance. Yeah. Don't, well, don't anyway, get, get I'm, the mediator. I'm the mediator for that, and I was just like <laughs> – I don't care what the bet is or how confident you are. Like you just wouldn't find me dead in another school's like clothes. 
I mean, I'm taking the bird, so I don't really worry about that when Tony's in trouble. I'll be um, well, and, and sorry, in St. Louis, you would never find me in there. Like, if we went to the NCAA tournament, Baker, I'm not saying I would wear Illinois State stuff, but I might throw on just like a red sweater if uh, it was an NCAA tournament and you guys were going. I like it. I like it. But you will be cheering for Bradley. You'll be wearing waving the the Valley flag. Um, yes. And 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 I'm honestly that environment is just going to be nuts for those games. Uh, which whoever Loyola plays, whether it's just Bradley or they play on Saturday as well, um, it's going to be a tough environment either way. Especially because the one thing that the one other thing that I think is against Loyola here, um, they play Bradley um, at the the two thirty game, which you might have some night game people wanting to show up and see that game. But on Saturday. That building is going to be packed because the teams playing in the second game are already going to be in the building for the second half of the whoever loyal is playing that first game. So, yeah. um, it's going to be a tough environment either way. Uh, it's one my, of those. Hold on, let me uh, let me no, go. go yeah, real quick. Uh, my buddy who's coming in for Arch Madness, he's been to Arch Madness, uh, went to college with him. Um, it was he was trying to decide when he was coming down because he's he's obviously coming down for the Southern game. It's the late game, and he's like, you know, I don't necessarily need to get there very early, so I'll just probably come for the southern or the second session. Um, on Friday, and I was like, hey, man, like, if you can get there, take the time off of work, and the Bradley Loyola game is going to be something, and at least the friend groups that we're in, we're going to be around those type of people, and it will be a very fun experience. Yeah, that's going to be killer. Um, the uh, the environment's going to be crazy. I, I don't think we're overhyping it at all. Um, all right, my last uniform question, which um, we have talked enough about Mega Bear this year which is the uh, Missouri State Bear on their court, which they it just looks like they – I don't know who screwed that up, but somebody did. Um, well, they also have a uniform with Mega Bear on it, and the uniform takes up basically the entire jersey. Um, just give me your thoughts, Vance, on Mega Bear in general. I have two, um, two things um, on this one. First off, you know, I, I watched you and I um, a decent amount of Northern Iowa games at the McLeod Center. And no, no, no. Noticed... You're talking about – we're talking Mega Bear. No, I know we are. I know we are. Let me get there, Baker. Let me okay. get there. Okay, never mind. I'm just making a call. you start talking about Northern um, Iowa, I'm like, what are you doing? I know. Right, go ahead. No, let me get there. Um, <laughs> the Northern Iowa Panther at the McLeod Center is maybe just as big as the Bear. If you When you factor in the you and I and the, the Panther – it's a large logo, and it takes up a lot of real estate. And I, I think it's in the same conversation as Mega Bear. So back to Mega Bear. Um, I don't love the jersey. If they're gonna, if you're gonna have a bad jersey, you might as well just go back to the terrible jerseys when they were Southwest Missouri State, and it was just SMS on the front. I love that those. That was a terrible jersey. Those are the best. Um, no, the Mega Bear jerseys look like warm-up jerseys. Thank you. I, yeah. I couldn't, I could not agree with you more. And by the way, I think you bring up a great point about the, the Panther. We haven't, we haven't forgotten about you. That's a great point <laughs> that you brought up about the oversized Panther on uh, Northern Iowa's floor. Cause yeah, that's, that's, that's we're you're, you're in mega bear territory there, but yeah, no, I think the colors of that Jersey that they have with the big bear on the front, the colors are awesome. And I think it would look cool if it just said Missouri state or just bears. But they screwed up and put the giant bear on it, which I think looks dumb. But Baker, I have an off-season uh, thing for us to do. We're gonna travel to all <laughs> ten arenas, and we're just gonna bring tape measures, and we're gonna measure them all. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's if the bear doesn't win, I, I have to take back everything I say. But it's gonna win because it's look. We know. 
All right, now we're going to get to uh, back on the serious train, uh, going to those same Northern Iowa Panthers. Um, did Northern Iowa peak on Saturday? That's that's a really tough question, and I'm not going to say I don't like it, but you played for a conference championship. So to say you peaked, that's a tough, tough thing to say. Um, I get where you're going with it. That are you thinking just they're going to be emotionally drained and they exactly. they left it all on the court um, yep, for one game at home overtime win. I, I get it, um, but they've had a they're going to have a almost a week to recover. They're 18 to you know 22 year olds. Sure, um, I'm not worried about it. Uh, okay. I, I get the sentiment, so I'll just answer your question and say no. Okay, no, that's fair, and I think I think you're I think you're probably right. By the way, um, you didn't mention is. Uh, ben Jacobson's been there before, so <laughs> sure has. he's not he's not someone that's going to, um, you know, he's not going to fold under the pressure. But um, I do think it's an interesting thing to think about because it was a team that um, worked so hard from the seventh seed, had the you know the exit that nobody wants to talk about last year at Arch Madness to come back and have a rough non-conference, win the league, work so hard to finally win the league, and it was like the culmination of everything. And you know when you saw the players on the floor, it was like they won that league, and it's like. Was this the best it's going to get for this team? Yep. And, and I think and that – I think it's a fair question is what I'm trying to say. And I can tell you right now, Ben Jacobson walked into that locker room and said, you enjoy this tonight, celebrate. We're back in the gym tomorrow. We're not satisfied. You're probably right, especially because um, they have – the last time that they actually were eliminated on that floor was two years ago against that game against Drake that they definitely want back, and then they didn't even get to finish last year. So a lot of motivation going into Northern Iowa this year, going to Arch Madness. So um, I think you're right on that one, but it's just – I thought it was an interesting question. Valpo now. Um, I want to I ask you, we've seen some Valpo players come into Arch Madness. I think everybody goes back to that year where they went to the final. Who, is your, who was your favorite player at Arch Madness for Valparaiso? Do you have someone in mind that, you know, they really stood out to you as someone who, um, you know, you just enjoyed watching in St. Louis. They had just an impact on you watching the games. I really liked JFL. Um, he first came around and I know it's going to be a polarizing person. And as it should, I think we've ripped him enough um, in the <laughs> past, but it really was JFL for me. And it's almost like that's that soft far that Milton Doyle has in my heart. Just of when teams come to the Valley, they kind of have that, that person and JFL was yep. it for me. Um, so I'm going to go with JFL. I think John Kaiser was mine. I knew, I knew that's who I was going to say you were going to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yep. Jo- John Kaiser. He will forever be my favorite. I don't know if Valpo will ever have, I love Sheldon Edwards too, but I don't know if Valpo will ever have a player that I like more than John Kaiser, um, especially because of the performance that he had in 2020. Um, that was just insane. Uh, final question for me, and this one's close to your heart as well. Um, Southern Illinois question for you. Uh, what is your favorite Arch Madness moment for the Salukis? It doesn't have to be a win. It doesn't have to be a championship. It's just something that's – like what's the first thing that sticks into your mind? Like I remember this quarterfinal win or this final win or this moment of this dunk. What was the thing throughout your whole time of going to Arch Madness? What is the one standout memory for – or even if you got two or three, that's fine. Um, but what comes to mind right away with Southern Illinois? This is going to sound really dumb, um, but when I think of just Arch Madness and being an SIU fan, I think of just our friend group, and this is – and I feel like we should be sponsored by uh, this place. But um, Drury Hotel, 
Um, just <laughs> every morning we would all wake up and we'd all meet for breakfast in the jury lobby and have breakfast together. That is my favorite, just Saluki moments, um, just in general. And it has nothing to do with anything playing on the court. And I feel like I share this story um, every, every year, but um, definitely the uh, semifinals from a game perspective, when um, the records were all broken um, that year is definitely the attendance records were all broken. So what was that? Is that oh six seven oh seven seven yeah oh six oh seven season. Um, that is easily uh, the best one for me. That was and, you and Creighton uh, in the final, right? Us and Creighton in the final. I believe we beat or we beat Bradley in the semis. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite. I believe that's Patrick O'Brien year. That was the year um, after. That was the year or after. year after. Okay. Um, the year so, before yeah. that. The year before that. The. Uh, the infamous uh, cheerleader. Yeah, um, that was that was a tough one um, as well. Uh, whenever I mean, she was on the Today Show the next day, um, yeah. which was uh, if anyone doesn't remember, um, cheerleader fell off the top of a pyramid, and I think yeah. like no longer you can do those pyramids anymore because of that moment. Yeah. Um, Christine Yamanoka is was her name. Very um, good, very good. So, <laughs> um, Forbid Valley that year actually. Yes, that was, for, that was Forbid Valley. Um, almost five bid Valley, which was crazy. Um, no, those are some, those are some cool moments. And, uh, to your point about your friend group, I, I have had the the chance to see them. Um, the one disappointing thing about not going this year, um, and I'm glad I did get to see him at Redbird arena. Well, but I uh, won't be able to shoot the breeze with your dad. So shout out to your dad out there listening. Um, disappointed I won't be able to see you, but I'm sure I'll get a chance to catch up with you next year. All right, Valley fans, we have an interesting segment to go through. We're going to call this bulletin board talk. Um, So what it means is we're going to give one thing for each team that they can put up on their bulletin board to get them hyped for this Arch Madness um, here coming up this weekend. So let's start off with Evansville, Purple Aces. So for me, it's just going to be 10. On their bulletin board, it's just going to say hashtag or pound side 10. You're the 10 seed. No one expects you to win this game. So go out and shock the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's nothing else I think you can pick for, for the Purple Aces here. I think that this is the, um, that's got to be the motivating factor is nobody believes in you. You're playing with house money. Go get out there and uh, maybe shock the world, maybe make a little bit of noise. All right. Uh, take your Redbirds, Baker. Yeah. I think I think my Redbirds. Uh, if uh, if I'm Brian Jones and I'm walking into the locker room, um, I think that you you maybe throw up a picture of Dan Muller on the board and say, you know, um, this was your coach. He he helped you get through this point. Um, we don't want to forget him, and let's 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 finish this out for him as well as as well as the rest of the coaching staff that stuck around this year. Um, everybody wrote you off after. Um, after you had your coach let go and um, you know, things kind of went into a, a spiral downhill, but um, you can right the wrong of the disappointing season and you have an opportunity to, um, you know, play for Dan, play for the, play for the school. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to Indian state Sycamores and I'm going to have on their bulletin board uh, just D2. To re- just put D2. D2 up there. You've got, I love it. Uh, shirts you've got uh cam henry um i mean you guys aren't supposed to be in d1 play in d1 go out there and show them why you're d1 coaches and players i freaking love that i think that's awesome um the uh 
the idea that that team has come from division two and they've, they've kind of come together and it's just been, um, this is their opportunity. And, and no, you're not talking about D two, the mighty ducks, but you're talking about you know, division two. Um, <laughs> I freaking love that. Quack. I think that's a great quack. motivating factor for, for them. Maybe they do quack. Who knows? I don't <laughs> I'd know. love it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Hey, take your beacons. All right. So we're going to go with the beacons next. And, um, ones I thought, but for me, um, this is a, I think this is an opportunity for um, Matt Lodick to rally together and, um, you know, talk about everything that they've, all the adversity that they've faced all year and, you know, how they've all come together from everybody coming from a different school. You can kind of talk about, um, you know, each guy is a transfer from a different place and they fought through every injury, but they can also right the wrong of this season where the disappointment was and, you know, talk about, how you know for three days we we know, we know that how good we can be and this is our opportunity to prove it to the rest of the world and I would also maybe throw up a um, a John Kaiser picture as well uh, former Beacon player from a couple of years ago who had uh, in my mind one of the best Arch Madnesses in recent memory uh, picture him as as one of the uh, someone to look up to and um, try to emulate the performance that he had because he was out of gas for about two and a half games. And he, I, I, that was one of the most impressive performances that I think go under the radar Vance, from the past, mm-hmm. however many years. I'm going to take it one further. I'm going to have John Kaiser sh- walk into the locker room <laughs> in the crusader mascot suit, rip off the head and say, let's go boys. The crusader mascot. <laughs> Just bring, bring it back. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's go to the sixth seed, your boys. All right. Uh, for the Southern Illinois Salukis, if I'm Brian Mullins, I just put 0 8 up on the bulletin board. You don't have a win against the top four. You got to start somewhere. This is it. I, I, I think you, I think you nailed it. Um, especially because, you know, not a lot of people are believing that they can be one of those top four teams. So, um, I think yours is pretty self explanatory. I like it. All right, you are going to take the Bradley Braves before they go out and play the Loyola Ramblers in the 4-5 game. I don't know what to put on the board because I think Brian Wardle knows what he needs to put on the board. So I don't know. I think I defer in imaginary sense to whatever he would want upon the board because he's done it twice, um, especially from that 4-5 range from, from this point. But, um, you know, this is a this is a team that – I, if it was me, I guess we're going up against Loyola in this matchup. I think I would just put a big A10 logo up there and say, you can put the nail in the coffin. I like that one. Uh, pretty good. Uh, getting them going. It, it might be a little bit too just looking at that one game, um, but I, I think it's a good one. Uh, just I, I think that's more of a, a fan perspective than it is a Bradley perspective, but yeah. it's good. I like it. Fair. Fair. Uh, I will um, – so I'm going to kind of go down the same way. So I have Loyola. Um, I say this jokingly, but kind of. The sentiment is there. Um, I would put Tony's head up on the bulletin board just in like a Bradley gear. <laughs> I, 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 I totally say that jokingly. But um, are, can, I, can I maybe say this? Are we overhyping uh, this matchup? Is it because no. we're in tune no. to the drama are, on Twitter? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Here's the thing. Can, let's unpack this for just a second. I know we're in the middle of a segment, but screw it. We're going to talk about this. 
the fact that Loyola is leaving the conference in the middle of the season and announcing it before the season's over, first time this has happened to us like this. Yeah. So listen, there's a fair amount of bitterness. And like, I, it does kind of give me the vibe that like some of the Loyola fans are kind of surprised, like, because, you know, Valley fans probably rallied really well. I mean, I did mm-hmm. when they were winning all their games, you know, beating Illinois last year. And we were so excited for them. And it's one of those things. There's a, there's kind of a loyalty to Missouri Valley conference fans. And I think it comes out, you know, uh, there's vocal people on Twitter, but it is what it is. And uh, like, I, I know it's Twitter's not real life folks. It's, it's people go on there to complain. Um, but at the end of the day, like that, I think Loyola got used to kind of being, you know, the top dog has some really successful seasons and all the Valley fans rallying around them. And it kind of felt like your family became bigger and you were the ones driving the bandwagon and everybody was with you. And when that kind of went away, I think that that kind of, I don't know if it came as a shock to some of them or it just, it didn't sit well with some of them because it would the the bandwagon and full support behind them completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, am I kind of on the right track you think with that? That's fair. I think it's just a little bit, um, there's some just a, a bad taste in everyone's mouth on both sides of this. Right. And, um, and the one thing about Valley fans is Valley fans are very loyal mm-hmm. and, they're going to be loyal to the other nine teams before like Loyola is clear 10 and everybody's mind on the other nine fan bases at this point. So yeah. they're going to be going in and um, ready to shock the world. But to your point um, can be motivation for Loyola. Yep. All right. Uh, take the last one. Uh, your last one, Northern Iowa. Uh, we, Oh, sorry. Yeah. You have Drake, Drake, Drake. Sorry. Next to last one. <laughs> I think I think the Drake one is simple. You talk. I think Darren DeVries walks in the locker room and says, "Fellas, um, this may be the last time this group plays together." And you guys have been playing together since high school as a collective unit. These guys have all played together forever. Um, let's go out the right way. And I yep. think that you instill in their mind that this could be the last time you play together, and you have a motivated group that doesn't want that to end. And I think that's what you instill in this team. I don't really know if Heck, some of them might be collecting social security by the time they graduate. Um, <laughs> feels like Drake has been together forever. Uh, anyway, because uh, they have, I know Keith, uh, Keith Clemens, Keith Clemens and Tramel Murphy are probably the two oldest players in the history of the Valley to play uh, at Arch Madness. <laughs> All right. Uh, Missouri state uh, for me, I'm just gonna have consistency on the board. They just have been inconsistent. They got to. They have to have consistency out of uh, this team for three games in three days. Um, I, I, that's 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 how I see Missouri State cutting down the nets is just with a consistent mindset. I think I would write on the board if not now when question. Mark. Ooh, ooh, I like that one. That's good. That's because this is this. It feels like if Missouri State doesn't get it done now. I, I question whenever it's going to happen. I mean, eventually it will, but when? When can this team? This this is you were built for this arch madness. Mm-hmm. Go win it. I mean, yep. Uh, no other way to put it. Uh, let me finish it off now with uh, with Northern Iowa. Um, I think it is. I think I would just put up there and finish the job because as much as it was a success to win the. Uh, regular season, I think that you you know that your postseason hopes are hinging on this, uh, winning this tournament. So 
to me, I think it's just finish the job and get it done. All right, Valley fans, since it's the Mar- it's the Arch Madness preview show, we are excited to have Mike Kern, Associate Commissioner for the Missouri Valley Conference, joining us in this preview episode to give us the lowdown of what's going on with the conference as they prepare for Arch Madness in St. Louis this weekend. How are we doing tonight, Mike? Uh, things are great. We're very excited. And we had a very competitive regular season, and we expect a very exciting tournament. Uh, you know, a lot of close ball games. We had uh, four teams finishing within one game of first place. It's first time that's happened in the history of um, our tournament here in St. Louis. The last time that happened was in 1990. But um, we, we, you know, we, we, knew, we expect we're going to have a great tournament with a lot of close games. So give us a, how does it work on, we call it championship Saturday, which was this past Saturday where we're waiting for all the seedings um, to, to come through. What does Saturday mean for you as a, um, a representative of the, con- of the conference? You know, is there, a, I, you know, I like to envision as an NBC fan, like there's a war room, like everyone's, you know, you're, you're in St. Louis ready to go uh, for the seedings, getting everything going for Arch Madness once the teams are placed. But if I had to guess, you guys have been preparing for some a pretty long time, if I had to guess. We have. We almost start preparing the, the Monday after the tournament's over for, for the following year. But you're right. right. Saturday's a big day. It's, it's, uh, we had a unique matchup with two teams um, fighting for the title, and everything's on the line in that one game. And, and the game did not disappoint with going to overtime and Northern Isle, of course, winning against Loyola, uh, two really high-quality teams. So when you think of the gameplay uh, coming up for Arch Madness, is there any games, uh, let's just call it, let's say a quarterfinal uh, Friday, you know, what matchup are you excited about um, as a, um, as a member of the MVC? And, and I know you probably can't pick sides, but did, did the, the bracket play out in a way that uh, when you get to coordinate some of the media inquiries, it's advantageous for you? I don't know if it's advantageous, but you have a couple of teams that just played one another on, you know, the Indiana State, Illinois State played in the final game of the regular season. They're back at it again. Uh, Indiana State will have a little motivation. They didn't play very well against Illinois State in the, in the regular season final. Uh, and then Drake and Southern have had two matchups that have been within one and two points. So you can expect that game to be highly contested. And that's the, the final game of the day on Friday. And of course, we don't know who Northern Iowa, Missouri State, the one and two seats are going to play. But Bradley and Loyola is going to be an interesting four or five matchup. They split the series, and Bradley could have won both games. And of course, Loyola could have done the same. Uh, that's going to be a, a war, if you will, for two teams in the state of Illinois. Oh, it's, it's definitely shaping up to be an awesome tournament. I mean, the Friday and Saturday are going to be must watch for sure. Um, I do want to ask you, uh, working through working with the conference, I know. Um, I, I just take us behind the scenes a little bit. What's the next couple of days like for you, you know, with, with Tuesday through Thursday, getting ready for the beginning of the tournament? Um, what kind of things are you doing? Is it a lot of last minute things? Obviously not a lot of sleep for you, but is there, is there one, a couple of things in particular that you're kind of in charge of getting ready for as we get closer to tip off? Well, my focus, as you know, is it's the media and, and the credentialing process and making sure that people know where to go, where to, you know, what to do and, and how to, uh, cover the auxiliary events that we do have. We've also got other championships and other sports going on. So we have four people that are in, coming back from the track championship that ended today in, in Cedar Falls. And uh, well, I actually was competed in Chicago this year, but uh, we have four people that are coming back from Chicago. And um, 
we're all busy doing different things, but my focus, of course, is media. So I'm, I'm trying to make sure that the people that are covering the tournament are ready to go. Is it, is it a lot better? I assume, I, I mean, I don't even need to ask you this, but how much different is it compared to last year? Because I mean, last year it felt like, you know, with a much shorter crowd, I think there was only 1500 ish people uh, who could go to the game and the media I know was much more limited last year. It feels like things are a little bit more opened up. It's a little bit more um, normal, should we say, um, has that kind of added an, a little element of energy to you guys being able to kind of do your thing again, as you did two years ago? Yeah, I think for, for the fans in particular, it's just, it, you know, we still have a mask mandate in St. Louis in the city. So there will be some of that still occurring, but being able to attend and watch your team play as many have done throughout the regular season, is a big deal. You know, it does feel a lot like we're getting back to normal. We still have to be very uh, cautious on how we have uh, teams exposed to anybody um, as they prepare for an NCAA tournament run. But um, things are getting a little bit back to normal. We're, we're excited about the events that we have. We've we're, we got our coach of the year lunch and a Hall of Fame breakfast that we did not have last year. And of course we have fans in the stands. Yeah, that coach of the year lunch is awesome. I, I love watching it. And you guys do such a good job with the top six coaches, being able to interview them and kind of having a really good showcase for the coaches. Uh, I do want to ask one question, and I know it's not probably a fun question for you to answer because um, how things went down last year on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, what can you tell us about the COVID restrictions or if there's any, um, I don't know if you want to call it mandate or rules that they're in place in Missouri right now. Um, obviously last year we had an issue with Northern Iowa. Um, are we going to have some of the same rules in place this year? Is it, is it a different setting for you guys? Um, I just give us a little bit on that if you would. Yeah. Last year we were testing everybody on the event level, volunteers, staff, teams every day, everybody was getting tested this year. We have many or all of our teams are fully vaccinated or have had a student athlete that had COVID within the last 90 days and those people will not need to be tested. So we, we are almost test-free after the first day. And um, that's that's good. You know, we have teams that have taken the right precautions. That's an exciting thing that we don't think we're gonna have any interruptions. We haven't had any interruptions to the regular season in over a month. Uh, we think we are going to have a clean tournament and we're excited about what lays ahead for us. Yeah, I think uh, obviously last year, nobody wanted to see that happen, but it sounds like things are at least, at least uh, we're starting to get just as close to normal as we can, which is awesome. Um, and I know you guys do a good job there. The one um, kind of taking a step back from Arch Madness a little bit. Um, this year is kind of an interesting year. We're, we're losing Loyola at the end of the year and we're adding three new schools into the Missouri Valley Conference. We're going to 12 teams. Um, I was just curious, what are your thoughts on the um, the additions that we're making this year or next year, I guess, with uh, UIC Murray and uh, Belmont? Because it feels like home run for at least from men's basketball perspective, which is what this podcast is. Yeah, and, and you're right. You know, we're, we're disappointed that Loyola has found a new home in, in, the, in the new conference. Um, sorry to see them go, but we understand why, why they had to make that decision. But we are very excited about our three new members. And we have UIC, Belmont, and Maria, as we all know, that are coming into the league last year, next year. Um, two of those programs are very well established. Murray State ranked, and Belmont has been winning at least 20-something games every year. UIC has a lot of upside. We're very excited about what they'll, what they'll bring to us, not only in basketball, but in many of the other sports as well. So we're, we are excited across the board. 12 is a, is a large number, but uh, we anticipate that we will have a 12-team tournament in both men's and women's basketball. 
have you guys thought about um i guess i have two questions about this now have you guys thought about next year's bracketing i, I might as well ask you now even though i'm sure yeah, that's, it, that's it, far it, from your yeah. head but that you know that's going to be on a lot of people's <laughs> minds and every single fan's going to be like you better ask mike about the bracketing so do you no, know what you're no. going to do bracketing wise we we don't know for certain but we, i think we're all in agreement from an administrative standpoint that 12 was the right number for both tournaments and that would be four games on the first day four games on the second day and then uh, two and one like we we currently do so we'll have instead of having two games on Thursday, we'll have four but uh, if that comes to fruition that's what we'll do awesome awesome and um going forward um do you get the vibe at all that you know are you guys open-minded you know five years down the line that, that maybe you do want to expand it even further from 12 or is it, or is it right now, obviously it's, you're going to, you're happy with your 12. You want to close the door for now, or is it just kind of keep, keep an option open out there? That, that has always been our approach in the president's council. We have a special uh, smaller group of presidents that are involved with our expansion uh, search committee, if you will. And um, they're always keeping an eye on what's going on in the national landscape. And right now 12 is our number, but if we um, have an opportunity to do something different, We'll see, but I, I know that they're keeping a constant eye on what's going on national. So it, it, it's funny. This is the year that it's going to be the uh, the before time with 10 teams, and now next year is the 12-10 um, era of the Missouri Valley Conference. So um, all fans should be heading down to St. Louis to be a part of history, um, the last one uh, with 10 teams uh, for some time, uh, hopefully into the future as we welcome UIC, Belmont, and Murray State. So Mike, you know, we talked about what this team this week looks like. Uh, not a lot of sleep for you, but for the fans coming to St. Louis, what should they be excited about heading to the Enterprise Center to check out the Arch Madness this year? Well, as you know, we have a uh, an arrangement with Ballpark Village, the, the facility right next to the Bush Stadium where the Cardinals have many pregame activities. We do the same thing for our tournaments. So we have uh, what we call a fan hangout uh, every every day preceding games and post games as well. Um, if you were in a situation we can get over there, certainly check that out. Uh, we have some other events that are going on that not all fans can get to, but we have our coach of the year luncheon, which basically just tips off our tournament at 11 o'clock on Thursday morning. We announce our coach of the year that day. Friday, we have our President's Hall of Fame breakfast, in which we honor six individuals that were elected into the Hall of Fame. Of course, as you know, former Commissioner Doug Elgin is part of that class. And then we, we start playing games uh, right after the, the Coach of the Year lunch. We have practices that, that fans, of course, can attend on Thursday as well. But the, the auxiliary events are really, really great functions. And as you've been able to attend the, the Coach of the Year luncheon in, in the past, you could attest to that. Yeah, I do have one more quick question for you. Just you brought up Doug Elgin, who we obviously are huge fans of. I think he what he did for the Missouri Valley Conference, bringing it to this point is is huge. Um, but do do you have any? Is there anything that you can kind of pinpoint different between um, Jeff and Doug as as commissioners in the Missouri Valley Conference? Um, anything in particular that you see different one way or the other? I think for me, it's like uh, Jeff has a long history as a basketball coach, so he can relate as being a coach to the the coaches in our league in a way that, that Doug, who was an athlete at uh, Lafayette as a football student athlete, uh, it's just a different approach, but uh, they're both, both great administrators. They really get it. They understand what needs to happen for the direction of the conference. Just different approaches, but both really, really solid. 
yeah no we're i think yeah. we're excited about the the jeff jackson era as we've if it is we've got to uh speak with him as well and he seems if he it feels very uh he, he kind of feels very businesslike and i like that a lot it's a it's a it's a different approach that we weren't used to and and, and when we talk to him he very much seems like he has his eye on on the future make sure that now is really good but keep that eye on the future as well for the missouri valley as things grow in the process well, as you look at what, what Jeff has been able to accomplish in his first however many days, 200, 250, whatever it is now, it's been a lot. You it's know, a ton. Three teams in, in one season. We've never done that before in the history of our conference with 115 years in our in our back pocket. And um, Jeff has done a lot of things to help us point into the future. Um, and we're very excited about what that future holds. Yep. So as we close out here, Mike, I know we talked about the preparation for this week. So once the ball gets tipped, maybe a quick overview. What is uh, once once the ball is tipped in that first game, what does your weekend look like? Uh, what what's uh, are you most looking forward to? And then what maybe are you like this? This could um, contingency plans need to start going into place. Yeah, well, we, we want good, close, tight games. We want well-officiated games I mean, for us. You know, everybody's rooting for a team. We're rooting for the three individuals on the court that are calling the game, that they have a nice, clean game. Nobody's pointing to the officials as deciding a game post-game. We want the student-athletes to have a great experience. Quite honestly, that's our number one goal. We want them to come to St. Louis. We want them to have a wonderful experience at their hotel, at the facility, during the games. Everything is about their experience here in St. Louis. So for us, that's, that's our primary goal. For me, as you know, I'm really um, – focused on making sure that the media get access to the student athlete and the coaches to make the proper coverage and promote our league in, in the most positive way possible. That's great. Um, it reminds me back, we did an interview with Jack Watkins a couple of years ago, and he said, the one thing that I now check every year was the one year game one started and for some reason the shot clocks uh, were not working or one of the shot clocks wasn't working. And he was like, that's just something you can't um, really, you know, think like there was a contingency plan, but you know, of all the things on my list, that was uh, one that we didn't think a hiccup or we'd have to put a contingency plan um, in place. Um, now, if you can confirm first and foremost, um, this, I believe it's made its appearance last year. Will the inflatable championship trophy be back in appearance at the Enterprise Center? Now, we've had it at a couple of uh, events over at Oliver Village. So we will have the trophy. And I think we were looking for the appropriate place to put it because it's tall. So there are limited yep. places to put it. So we, we will have the trophy there on site again as we did last year. Yeah, I'm still in Katie's ear that um, I would like a rental opportunity um, for future personal uses of the inflatable trophy. Um, but yeah, one of my um, great add-on for uh, Arch Madison in this podcaster's opinion. Um, I know we are excited to head down to St. Louis. Missouri Valley Conference fans converging on the loo for four days of Missouri Valley Conference play. As always, Mike Kern, thank you for joining us, Associate Commissioner for the Missouri Valley Conference. Thanks for spending some time with us as you prepare for Arch Madness. Vance, I guess the last thing I'll have as a parting shot is for all the fans that are coming to St. Louis, please check out the health and safety protocols on the Enterprise website. Uh, so, so you come prepared with a mask and you, you know what, what's in store for you. But uh, we are excited as well. It's going to be a great tournament. We can't wait. Valley fans, let's talk a little bit about what to expect in St. Louis as you're heading down. 
Um, and really, this comes from a fan perspective. So uh, me and Baker are just going to banter a little bit back and forth of kind of what we look forward to as fans in St. Louis as we converge on St. Louis uh, for four days at the first weekend of March. So kind of uh, first and foremost for me, it's, you know, getting the uh, time off requests and in at work. That's the that's the first thing here, Baker, right, is you got to make sure, uh, you know, the man's good with you uh, heading on down uh, to St. Louis. So I am good to go. I'm, I'm ecstatic uh, when that out of office gets gets uh, sent on. And I would say people know me at work and, um, and know that, um, you know, the first weekend of March means probably more than the first the, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I'd rather, you know, miss this one than or I'd rather go to this one than uh, the, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of first and foremost, right? Yeah, no doubt. You got to get that. You got to get that time off request in there. Um on a, I had to take a week off because obviously I'm going to Mexico, but not to Arch Madness. But it was funny. I was even talking um, when I was actually talking to my manager the other day. He's like, he's like, you're not going down St. Louis. And he's like, and I was like, no. And he's like, oh, that's right. You're going to Mexico. It's like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of rogue texts from friends that think you're in St. Louis and they're going to be like, oh, oh man. awesome. It's going to be, have to be like, I'm not there. It's <laughs> So the thing is, I'm going to turn, I'm only going to have my phone on like the Wi-Fi. So if you don't have an iPhone, you're not going to get it to me, mm-hmm. but I am going to get random ones. Like I'm going to get random messages like, Hey, where are you at? You want to meet up after this game? And we're going to be between games. I'm going to hear that a lot. And I'm going to be like, I'm going to be by this pool here with a, yep. with a uh, frozen drink. Speaking of that, Baker, how quickly are you silencing notifications from me on your iPhone? From you? Yeah, from me. Like, at what point am I, like, let's just say Southern Wind. When I step on, on the Friday. plane oh, okay. to go to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, no, I'll probably, I mean, I'm going to obviously, hopefully not keep, I'm not going to look at my phone. Cause I mean, you're on vacation, so you're not going to be looking at your phone, but, um, I'm, I'll, I'll keep in touch with you, obviously. Um, I did, and this is something we didn't talk about, but I just, I did realize this. So my plane trip back before we get into the actual experience at in St. Louis, but for my experience, the one positive, my flight back from Mexico to Illinois is actually from like, I'm going to be in the air from like one o'clock central till mm-hmm. about four o'clock central and on my flight i can watch cbs so i can cool. watch the entire final perfect the pl- on the plane which i will do i mean that's a, that was I, I saw that and i was like oh my god i can watch the entire final live and i won't be like distracted i'll just be able to watch the game so that's yeah. actually pretty awesome timing and i didn't even think about that but um and my wife obviously won't be uh she probably won't be dialed in next to me but i will have it on for sure that's one of those um, amenities that you didn't expect that is like going to end up being one of the best come ups of the travel time. It, isn't that all? That's perfect for yep. me though. It's like, like, I mean, you've been on a plane before. It's like, it's nice to have like something to like get your mind off the fact that you're flying on a yep. three hour flight. And so that's going to be perfect. And I'll be dialed in. You kidding me? Valley oh. final, but let's get into St. Louis. The folks yeah. that are going hey. to St. Louis. Yeah, um, absolutely. Let's do that. Um, first you got to get to St. Louis. Um, you know, you can drive down, um, you can take the Amtrak down or you can fly in. So um, I have taken the Amtrak and driven. Um, I know some people this year who are flying in, which is wild, but they just found dirt cheap uh, tickets from um, the Des Moines area. So I uh, hadn't heard of people flying into St. Louis, but um, all great, great options to get there. And then uh, 
today I got my Airbnb confirmation. So it's starting to become real. This is the best day is everything's starting to get real. Like you're getting the last minute confirmations. Uh, I'm I, like I said, I'm doing the Airbnb thing, plenty of good hotel options. Um, so each team, if, if you haven't been to Arch Madness, each team has a home hotel. Um, that's listed online um, everywhere. And, you know, if you're a season ticket holder or have all session tickets uh, through your team, you kind of know where the accommodations are. But highly recommend that if you're not aware, if you're going down for the first time, go check out your team's hotel because most of the time they'll have like send offs as the team heads to the game. You know, you can kind of do pep rallies or just, you know, give them high fives as they get on the bus. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, just be around other Saluki fans when I'm at, when I'm down there. One thing I did want to note, Baker, is kind of funny because um, Drake and Southern Illinois have shared a team hotel um, for, for the last handful of years. And this year it actually matters. Um, so the lobby is going to be an interesting place before and after the game, uh, depending Pepper on the alleys. outcome. Yeah. I, that's going to be wild. Yeah, I know. So it's just, it's uh, at least the first time that I've remembered that um, they played each other in um, Arch Madness and being at the same hotel. So yeah, it could be funny um, along the way. Yeah, that's gonna. That's a really cool idea. I I didn't even think about that. The the because there I think there's a handful and another one I believe. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm almost positive that Northern Iowa and Illinois State share a hotel as well. So if they play on Friday, that could also come into play. That's good. Um, you're exactly right. They share the Hyatt Regency. See, okay, see, you have it. In oh, see, look at you. I have it in front of me. Um, I just pulled it up. Um, I saw that commercial about a hundred times this year. All right, that's yeah, you got to memorize you, them. You yeah, have to. Yeah, and I always think to myself, I'm like, oh, we're Northern Iowa. It's always funny to me, and you can like extrapolate <laughs> things with with what teams are assigned to what uh, hotels. You can always there's all kinds of jokes, right? So like oh, yeah. Southern and Drake are at Hilton at the ballpark. Um, it's always funny to me is um, uh, live by Lowe's. Like so that's the new really, really, really nice um, hotel that I think is attached to uh, Ballpark Village. Um, it's is literally next to the ball. It's yeah. literally next to Bush, Bush Stadium. Yep. It's Loyola's team hotel. So you can make, you know, you can make some, uh, you can attribute some jokes there. Um, it was always funny. Like Northern Iowa, before they switched, used to be at like the Four Seasons. And I was like, whoo, that's a tough one for a fan to, you know, shell out the bucks to stay at the team hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the worst was? When, uh, oh, and I can't, I could picture the hotel and it was, it was like a hike for Illinois State fans. This was I like, know. it was the hotel? Millennium. And yes, it was the, the Millennium. Can. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> this, the Pringles can. And it, it was a, it, that's like not even close. I used to always just like, why are we all the way over there? <laughs> I, I always just wondered that. And I, it was funny whenever we'd go down when I was younger, like we'd always stay at like the Hilton at the ballpark because it was like, we're not staying that far away. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but yeah, that's uh, so you got to get your hotel down and then really it's kind of up to what you prefer along the way. You know, uh, we're going to be game focused. So a lot of times kind of get in, check in and head to the Thursday night games um last year was just such a different year uh, due to covid there um you know a lot of the restaurants and bars were just not open so um i know there's a lot of popular ones um you know ballpark village is kind of the main one that's the mvc fan hangout so that's always an option there's always going to be um missouri valley conference fans there um i know of a lot of schools that do events at ballpark village because they've got you know kind of separate restaurants or um i would say bar areas that that the schools rent out for pregame type stuff so check with your member institution on what they do but if you want just general mvc fans uh mvc hangout is one of the best 
um, places for that. Um, as you walk to Enterprise, um, there's a plethora of bars on the way. I know some popular ones for these fans um, and in our circles is uh, Tin Roof, um, Wheelhouse, Midwesterner. Um, that's kind of the chunk on the block. I would say two blocks from the Enterprise Center near um, uh, on the north side of Bush Stadium um, on the way to the Enterprise Center. Uh, th- that's a fun block of restaurants and bars to go to Ten- in between or on the way. Tin Roof. I, I will say about Tin Roof because last year um, – was it? It was the Thursday. Correct me if I'm wrong. Thursday night, Ballpark Village is closed, right? Yes, they had okay. like a private event or closed early or something. It was closed early or something like that. Like Tin Roof became like they were like the home that we didn't we didn't know we wanted, but like yes. that became like the place to go last year because a lot of places were closed and a lot of places would close early and whatnot. And that was like the you know what we. Tin Roof was there for us when we needed Tin Roof to be there for us. We and did, and people forget last year they kicked out everyone after every game, so you had to go somhere. That's right. Between yeah. each game, and I so totally Tin Roof was like the de facto home for NBC fans because you're like, I just need to like stand somewhere for thirty to forty five minutes. So the closest place was Tin Roof. So That's yeah, right. Because last year, because yep. last year when uh, we met up with some Illinois State fans before. Um, before the ISU game, because we had to leave after the eight nine game when Bradley played SIU, and yep. we had to go go somewhere before the Illinois State game. So, um, yeah, no Tin Roof, Tin Roof, uh, soft spot in my heart for Tin Roof <laughs> at Arch Madness for sure. It does. Um, kind of, what else from a fan perspective, Baker? That's kind of top of mind uh, for for those listening. Well, hey, you got to talk about the food the food place because you've you've lived in St. Louis, so talk about where. I know there's. I know you have your breakfast spot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe other options, if there are any out there for, uh, for any fans heading down. Yeah. As I mentioned, um, you know, I'm a big rooster fan. That's kind of a local um, spot, but there's plenty of, I would say bars and restaurants um, here lately. Uh, brunch on Saturday has been a big thing. Uh, St. Louis does brunch, right. And um, the restaurants that I talked about earlier, that wheelhouse Midwesterner um, they've got, you know, they, they kind of specialize in brunch on the weekends um, it is not a um, if you're looking for a nice relaxing brunch that is not the crowd um, if you, there so um, um, they've just got um, yeah it's a different it's a different atmosphere but it's a fun one if you're looking to get ready for a um, semifinal matchup and get ready for uh, to cheer on your team um, at all types of levels so uh, I know a lot of people hit up that one um, from a food perspective, especially after games, and maybe you're not going to some of the night sessions, the Hill is always a great place. Tons of Italian restaurants um, that you can choose from. But really, honestly, talk to people who have been down there. To, um, you know, find groups of friends to go 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 to dinner with, or fans of of your school, and just find some camaraderie. That's my favorite thing about Arch Madness is I have made friends that I see once a year, and it's at Arch Madness. But we know we're always going to be at the same places. We see each other every year. We don't talk for the other 361 <laughs> days of the year. But by gosh, we are best friends for four days um, in St. Louis. And we always just run into each other. And it's it's the one thing that I love about the Missouri Valley Conference. And really the reason why I do this podcast is that camaraderie that I've created, not only from my family going, um, you know, since I was, you know, in diapers, but now as uh, – sure. Uh, my uh, my friend bases have changed yeah yeah no that's uh that's totally uh a good thing about it it's it is kind of like a 
like we talked about it. I know we talked about it in the last show about like loyalty around the Missouri Valley Conference, how there's always been like a overarching loyalty. And I think it's kind of a camaraderie between us all because everybody, um, like, you know, you have your rivalries between fans, but you know, I, you're going to see him at Arch Madness. And it's going to be people you might have even disagreed with online. And, you know, you can have a beer, or have a drink or whatever, just have a conversation with them. It's, um, it's a fun time. But like you said, yeah, there's, there's friends you have that you see, see once a year. This is the only time you see them all year, but you, it's like you haven't been apart long and you guys have such a good time because everybody loves the Valley. Anyone mm-hmm. going down. And, and another thing, it's going to, you know, um, last, this will be the last time you see the scarves. The Loyola Scarves, the Harry Potter crew will be, this will be the last time you see them. And I mean, you know, we make jokes and stuff about Loyola, but I mean, Hey, that's there. We've, I, I know we've met some people from Loyola that have been awesome to us. And so it'll be definitely uh, bittersweet for them uh, to be their last Arch Madness. There you have it, Valley fans. This has been the 2022 Arch Madness Preview Show. You heard interviews from Harry Schrader of Valley Hoops Insider. We talked some of the Vegas lines, all conference teams, gauntlet questions, bulletin board materials, another interview with Mike Kern, Associate Commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, and we gave you some tips to be a fan in St. Louis. Enjoy the March the Arch as we go to crown the Missouri Valley Conference champion this weekend in St. Louis. And with that, go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not? <laughs>